Hello and welcome everyone to Devour the Podcast. Whatever you do, she just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Listen, asshole! No, you listen, you little bitch. You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish. Who the hell is my chief fucking king of the zombies? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Spooky. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Devour the Podcast. <laughs> that ghostly sound you heard is uh, one Jamie Jenkins. Hell, God damn it. Jamie Sammons. It's Old Habits Die Hard. I apologize. I do that all the time, and I'm so sorry. You are not the only one. You seriously are not. Don't feel bad. Everyone still does it. So, um, Duncan did it. Yeah. Recently when we did the round table. Um, so it's, you know, it's okay. Hey, has, it, it rolls off the tongue, you know? I, it does. It does. Uh, Alliteration. Nothing better. And uh, that grammarian that you hear is one Vanessa, <laughs> Mi- Vanessa Jenkins. Uh, no, <laughs> Vanessa McHenry. Shit. Everyone's a Jenkins now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hey, uh, happy Halloween, ladies. Happy Halloween! Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you haven't done that in ages. I know, it feels good. <laughs> kind of rattles the duodenum. That's what I like about uh, it. You know the uh, that answering machine message from Rob Zombie's Halloween with D. Wallace? <laughs> She's like... Well, I forget what she says because fuck that movie. But it's like nobody's home. Yes. <laughs> it's so silly. I love her so much. I was I talking about her at work today. Actually, I do too. Yeah, she's uh, become kind of a, a you know mental health. Uh, yes. Proponent, like, I guess. Yeah, she's really big into that, and I, she just is like a. I, well, I don't know her on, a, on an extremely personal level or anything, but she seems like just a genuinely kind person. Right. That's why she she looks so cute as a werewolf. Yeah. Instead of <laughs> evil. That's right. She looked like a little Muppet dog. She's not going to turn into an ugly werewolf because she's sweet. Yeah. Her heart is too pure. Uh, I will say she follows me on Twitter and when she did that she's like sent me a person like a little message that you could tell was like it, it was it wasn't like a regular like auto message the way it was worded and everything it was very like a nice sweet thing oh yeah um she actually made a message or made a video for me um mm-hmm. when Brian and I were getting married and which I thought was very sweet at a convention and Gary had her call me one day, just on a Saturday, I was sitting at home. He was at a convention, and said, my phone rings, and it's fucking D. Wallace. And I was like, "What? Nice. What are you doing?" <laughs> nice. And it was so sweet. I just, you know, yeah, that's incredibly nice. I just, I love her. Love her. Nah, I, I'm a little jealous now. I've never talked to D. Wallace. Well, yeah, well, one it, day. it made one day, day. though. <laughs> Actually, if 
look, look, no one is arguing that D. Wallace isn't a wonderful person, and I would love to get a call from her. But <laughs> it, but if we could pivot that into a Barbara Crampton call, that's really where my heart lies. I got to be honest. I would much rather get a call from Babs, as her <laughs> as her friends call her. Probably I not. Can, I I understand that. I do. And it's not just because she's sexy Barbara Crampton. I just I tend to prefer as far as my ladies oh whore go. You know, my heart is is with the Barbaras. Barbara Steele, Barbara Crampton, Barbara, Barbara Bush. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm attracted to people who look kind of like my grandmother. <laughs> In the Quaker Oats guy. Yeah. Mother. Um <laughs> Folks, uh as as we said, uh this is Devour the Podcast and uh and happy Halloween to all of you. This is uh the the October episode. We uh we we fucked up and didn't get a September episode done. That that's my own damn fault. Um had had some personal issues going on. Uh but uh and a lot of you know that I've talked about it uh fairly publicly and and whatnot. But um so we're back with the Halloween episode. It's going to be a banger as the kids say. And uh, then next month, we'll try to do our, our super special episode. So uh, we'll just try to get all that coordinated. But anyway, fun stuff is happening. Um, other stuff happening around the, the Devour the Podcast-averse, as the kids call it. Um, Are you trying to wing in on my Wanniverse? I've never heard that before. I don't know what you're talking about. What? And- I talk about it all the time, and you know it. <laughs> but I've been uh Both you used that word last episode. Oh Waniverse, yeah, I know. Well look, we're gonna talk about the stupid fucking Waniverse on the back end of the show. <laughs> so everybody calm down. Um <laughs> Wan. Uh, uh, that's the sound I made watching the fucking nun. Um anyway. Spoilers. The, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in addition to this episode, what you're listening to right now uh, with your ear holes, there are some episodes up uh, of me. I, I was going to do a horror movie a day in September, and then that got diverted. So, I, I was just like, okay, fuck it. We're going to finish it out in October. So, there's uh, a grand total of four of those now, some in September, some in October. And I'm going to be watching horror movies all the way up to... Uh, Halloween and and recording my thoughts on uh, on those films and I've seen some good shit uh, as well as a lot of stuff that is not good shit. It's just shit. No, I don't want to say that. that. That's that's too harsh. But I've been uh, I've been on a big found footage kick of late. Uh, I, w- I was talking about this on one of one of them bonus episodes that it, I found a weird kind of like comfort. In, in watching found footage movies because there's only like three kinds. So when you start watching one of them, you're like, oh, that's uh, some kids going into a place they shouldn't be found footage movie. <laughs> right? Well, you're right. Yeah. Uh, or it's a, hey, uh, this is one of them. We're making a movie and the found footage movie is about the making of the movie found footage movies. Um, there's a handful of those out. What was the third type? Um I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just the two. We're just filming shit around our house. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. The the other is the hey surveillance camera found footage. Right, right. And I, I think of all those, the we're gonna go somewhere where we oughtn't to be is probably my favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's when you get stuff like the gallows. It you're right. And most of them are terrible. Which is El Terrible. <laughs> I haven't seen the gallows. I, I you you had warned me enough that I never saw it. Although at some point I probably will, but but you also get stuff like um, wreck. It falls into that genre kind of of the hey uh, I'm following around some firefighters. We're going into this house that uh, or this apartment building. We oughtn't to be here, and then that's true. Things that's go, true. Go horribly wrong. Um, but hey, uh, that's enough chit chat. We like to start the show with uh, s- something controversial. And this time around, we start with a ranking. Um, someone uh, suggested, and uh, by someone, I mean, I can't remember who now, um, <laughs> suggested that we talk about uh, the Halloween films. And I was like, Ugh, I haven't seen a bunch of those in a while. And also, I mean, how can three of them be tied for last? Because that would certainly be the case. No, instead, it was... Glenn, who said the Halloween movies, and I was like, eh, it seems like a lot of work, and I haven't seen a lot of those in a while. And then Darren Wilson came along and said, Halloween candy. And I said, now that is something I can get behind, because Halloween candy has found its way to, to my behind, uh, because of uh, calories. So, I have a list of the top ten most popular Halloween candies, the the biggest sellers, that we will rank because, you know, there's a million billion kinds of candy. So uh, we are going to take the top ten most popular and and rank them. Here are the ten most popular, in, in terms of sales, uh, Halloween candies. Jolly Ranchers. Tootsie Pops. Hershey's Minis. Hot Tamales. Vanessa, those are cinnamon uh, spicy candies. Yes, thank Yummy. you. Uh-huh. I've never heard of that until you sent this to me. I know that's mm, that hurts my I've heart. Never a little ha- bit I've just, never uh, had them. I've never had them. Yeah, you, you should. Next time you're in a convenience store or a bodega or something that that has mm-hmm. them, grab some. They're good. Um, okay. Candy corn, Starburst, Reese's cups. Snickers, M and M's, and Skittles. The list is fooey. Where are the pixie sticks? Uh, I, hey, look. And where is the double bubble? That, that's what I said in my message. Yes, the spit maker gum. That's what because it always makes me drool over. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that gum. <laughs> look, I said there was plenty of room for honorable honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. <laughs> L- listen to you guys listen <laughs> I just, baby I just want to say you guys are the best uh, no uh, <laughs> you, you, can, you can have your honorable mentions here but these are the 10 most popular candies we can't there's not room for everything like hey where are those candies in the orange wrappers that taste like you know earwax I don't know but yeah, everyone seems to have them. Butter kisses and 
That's what my grandpa gave out every year. Peanut butter ones, yeah, that are wrapped in either orange or black paper right. wax paper. Yeah. Yes. Then there's Mary Jane's. These are all like the old people candy that they would give out. there's originals. Old school. Some Hall's mentholiptum drops. <laughs> A box of raisins. You know, I was probably batteries. before I actually tasted a Kit Kat or a Three Musketeers because whenever we would bring our candy home, my stepdad would always take the Three Musketeers and my mom would always take the Kit Kats. I never ever knew what one of those tasted like. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, enough jocular stories. We got to get to some ranking. Jamie. No. Give me, give me from bottom to top. Okay, that sounds hot. Mm-hmm. Bottom to top. Oh, I do like all the candies. I think everyone is probably going to expect everyone to have candy corn on the bottom. Here's the thing. I'm not because I actually love candy corn. I do. And I actually, I like to mix candy corn and peanuts. It is yummy. If you've never tried that, you should. You get like a little sweet, salty. It's good. So it's not going to be at the bottom of my list. What's going to be at the bottom of my list is shit. I mean, they're all probably Starburst. I actually like Starburst, but they're a bitch to unwrap. Yeah. So I avoid those whenever possible because they're a pain in my butt. You know what? Bottle caps. That's another thing that's missing. (laughs) Smarties. Yes. Or sweet tarts. Sweet tarts and those little packets. Yeah. Um, three to a packet, and then you always get, like, three of the stupid color. And I'm like, ah. Um, okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yes, Over those there. are all candies. <laughs> Not on this list, but they are candies. I know. I know. Okay. I'm going to go with Starburst, because they're a bitch to unwrap. <laughs> and then M&M's. I do like M&M's, but not the top of my list. Then we're going to go hot tamales because I just don't associate those with Halloween. Uh, I like them, but I, I, they don't scream Halloween to me. Then Skittles. Then candy corn. Then M&M's. Then, I'm sorry, not M&M's. Then Reese's Cups. Then Hershey's. Then Snickers is my number one. All right. All right. Uh... Oh, Tootsie Pops. And Jolly Ranchers are in there somewhere. God damn it. Tootsie Pops. All right. It'll go. Sorry. It'll go Reese's. Then Tootsie Pops. Then Jolly Ranchers. Then Snickers is my number one. Okay. All right. A little confusing there towards the end. I know. uh, Vanessa. Okay. I will go with candy corn being the worst fucking thing ever. <laughs> in the okay. universe. All right. Sorry. Sorry, Jamie. I got to put it at the bottom. Hot tamales. I only I'll put right above that just because I've never had the, had them. I've never even heard of them. Until I you- love how a candy you've never tasted outranks candy. Well, corn. right. But she's wagering. That's so much. I hate candy corn. Okay. Right. Like they've got to <laughs> be better than candy corn. But it's it, made it with real honey. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that, it, and what hot tamales is described as is something I like more than candy corn. Yeah, if, so, you, if you like red hots, yeah, that's what I mean. It, then you'll like hot tamales, only they're exactly. softer and chewier. Yeah, exactly. 
So it's automatically going to be better to me than candy corn. All right. I like that uh, rationale. Yeah. Then, even though I like them, I just I, I just don't think of them as Halloween candy. So I put then I put M&M's. Okay. Number eight, the way down the list. You guys are real hard on uh, on M&M's. Well, like I said, I like M&M's. But I just, they're not Halloween candy to me so much. Yeah, I, I feel you. All right. Uh, number seven, uh, Reese's Cups. I'm not, the, that's like not my first kind of chocolate type peanut butter thing I go to but i always love the that they come in the shape of pumpkins <laughs> this time do you like the pumpkin ones better than the regular ones because no, they, I, to- they taste, I totally do no they're the regular ones they just are in the shape of a pumpkin no they t- i don't i think they taste different and i think it's the consistency really? of chocolate to peanut butter maybe maybe that's what it is but i just there's something psychological about it that, that i kind of love but it's still again not my favorite as far as these kind of candies here then above that i'd say hershey's minis uh those can be hit or miss for me chocolate is not my like the number one candy i go to anyway so that's why i put that that low then at number five i put tootsie what did you say tootsie rolls or tootsie pops tootsie pops yeah then i put that there because that i always associate in a way with Stuff I would get at Halloween. And owls, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I always like those. And yeah, I, I'm i a, a sucker for a good sucker. <laughs> and then I, then Skittles, then Snickers as my number three. Okay. That's probably one of the few, like, chocolate-type bars I really, really like. Then number two, Jolly Ranchers, and number one, Starburst. I'm a very big, I'm much more into like fruit and chew when it comes to candy. All right. And I have the patience to sit there and pick those open. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, I wouldn't dive into my Halloween candy. I would get home and I would separate it out (laughs) and I would ration it for weeks and save it. Yeah. Segregated your candy. No, it's OCD. I always being organizational. (laughs) I eat everything that comes in different flavors or colors. I eat least favorite flavor and or color first, and then I work my way to my favorite. So I always eat the red ones last. Even with M&Ms who don't, the flavor, I mean, the color does not denote flavor. I still do that with M&Ms. Yeah. So. Oh, man, you guys are fucking insane um <laughs> i know i am <laughs> so all right just... my uh, so here here's the breakdown for me i disagree with uh with your list vanessa because i don't want sugar masquerading as fruit <laughs> in my halloween bag See, I'm a kid, though, that really wanted the box of raisins. <laughs> She's like, uh, oh, raisins and fruit snacks. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I was that weird kid. Oh, that's madness. So, uh, bottom of my list, I'm going to go uh, Skittles. I got no time for Skittles. Um, <laughs> 
then uh, probably candy corn because uh, that is an abortion. Um, <laughs> again, I mean, sugar masquerading as a vegetable also falls in this category. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Skittles, candy corn, Jolly Ranchers, Starburst. Let's just get all of those out of the bag right away. <laughs> so you're just really flipped what I did. Uh, yeah. All right, then I'm going to go hot tamales because, again, spicy ain't where I'm headed uh, on, a, on a Halloween night. Uh, rounding out my top five, Tootsie Pops j- just sneaking in because sometimes you get those cherry-covered Tootsie Pops and you got to go through the cherry shit to get to the chocolate, which is what I'm there for. Uh, they, they're fine. They're fine. You know, this is all uh, the top five territory. They sneak in. Um, then we're going to go Reese's cups, uh, at, at number four, cause those are delicious. Um, number three is going to be the Hershey's minis for me. Cause in my mind, those aren't just the Hershey bars. It's also, the you crackle got crackle in the Mr. Good bar. It, right. Took the words right yeah. out of my mouth. The, you got, you got yourself a variety pack and I like to mix yeah. it up a little bit. <laughs> I love Mr. Goodbar. Yeah. I do. Mm. Number two. I'd rather have her Snickers. Look, we're getting there, all right? No, <laughs> number two is M&M's because uh, there is nothing better than refrigerated M&M's. Um, I don't know if you've gone that they route. They don't melt in your hand. They melt in your mouth. Oh, man. You give me like one of them three-pound bags of M&M's, stick it in the freezer... And uh, I'll come for it late at night when nobody's looking. Um, <laughs> and then number one is Snickers. Snickers is delicious. Yay! Everybody, like we can all agree on Snickers. Oh, Snickers yeah. is, is my yeah. It is my go-to candy bar. Yeah, yeah. Same, same with me. I always feel a little greedy when I'm eating a Snickers. It's like, <laughs> do I want chocolate? Do I want nougat? Do I want caramel? Do I want peanuts? How about fucking all of that shit? All of it. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a Snickers because that's got everything. Look, do I want to half ass it and have uh, three Musketeers or a Milky Way? I mean, a Milky Way. I'm like, where are all the goddamn peanuts in a Snickers bar? That's where. <laughs> a Snickers bar. A Snickers bar also has them proportioned correctly. In my opinion. Yes. Yes. It, it's the right mix of everything. And I'll tell you it's what. It's not overloaded on one. And, and Snickers dipped their toe into the ice cream bar world. Fucking knocked it out of the park there, too. Yeah, they did. I just had one of those yesterday. Mm-hmm. Brian, brought, Brian bought me one because I was having a bad day. And he's like, <laughs> will a Snickers ice cream bar make you feel better? And I'm like, hell yes, it will. <laughs> Look, I don't know where like Elliot Q. Snickers got the idea for his delicious candy, but <laughs> but hats off. I, I tip my chapeau to the Snickers people because they, they just get it right every time. Um, okay, there you have it. That is the, the top ten Halloween candies. You have been given your marching orders. Those are the things you should have available to you uh, when handing out candy this year. Also, nope. if... What? <laughs> nope. Get that candy corn off the list. Oh, yeah. I'm saying like everyone's top five. But then again, you're all sick with, uh, you know, the Starburst and Jolly Ranchers. Stuff that if I got in my 
my you know candy bag on a Halloween night, I'd be like, all right, well, these fuckers are getting some toilet paper in the trees. No, I love no. Jolly Ranchers, especially since they rounded out the corners and they don't like bruise your mouth anymore when you're sucking on them. When oh. we were, remember when we were, remember when we were kids and they were really sharp on the corners uh-huh. and fucking hurt. Also, you can pop them in a Zima, and that shit's good. I haven't done that in twenty years, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, where are you getting Zimas? <laughs> Actually, they, I saw some the other day at my local party store. <laughs> that is a yep. party. Yep. But, Bo, see, this is why you and I get along, is that we could go trick-or-treating together, and what, you know, I take out the chocolate of my bag, and you take out the fruity stuff of your bag, and we just, you know, share. Ah, right. And I get all of your candy corn. That's it's, fine. There. That, fine. <laughs> so... <laughs> So okay, we'll we'll allow people to stock their place with candy corn. Yeah, you know, and these are also all the things that people can feel free to send us. Yes, um, PO box. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I I am uh, <laughs> I'm shopping around for like what what Halloween candies I want to have by the door this year, and uh, and this like seeing that this was the most popular, I was like, eh, I don't agree with all of this, but. I'm by God going to have some bite-sized Snickers on hand. You, and the kids aren't getting shit. Those Snickers are for daddy. Yeah. Um, see, we always end up buying like the kitty, the the kid, what's it called? Kid, kids play the kids mixer. I don't know. One of those kid mixers, and play, which I actually, which I, yeah, which I, or <laughs> oh my kitty, God. Mixer, <laughs> kitty play to, I don't know what the hell it's. Oh, child's play. I don't know. No, that's a movie. Chris anyway, kid read. I think is what they're called. <laughs> um, and I actually like that too. Like I like that. I think it's a good mix. I think it's fun because I love dots. Um, <laughs> but so like we'll get that. But then we also get like some bite-sized Snickers. Kids don't get those. Nope. <laughs> I mix them in there. <laughs> but then when I'm handing out my candy, I'm like, yeah, I'll just filter that through my fingers. <laughs> sure. That is so mean. Honestly, if someone has a creative costume, I give them better candy. And that sounds so horrible. But it's true. I mean, like, if you go all out for Halloween, you get rewarded at my house. Do you, do you point it out, like, if they're in a group of kids who you're like, you get a Snickers because your Jason is so good. You in the witch <laughs> outfit, you're not getting shit. You get double bubble because all you have is a grocery bag. Right. What do you, double like, bubble is good. What do you pour? <laughs> you know what? You know, that is not an excuse. You can make it. I did it. I made my Halloween yep. costumes like every year when I was a kid. That's you can exactly make them what I did. Yeah. I made Halloween costumes out of post. I think I've even talked about this on the show in the past, but I've made Halloween costumes out of poster board like three years in a row. Your parents and must not love you. Now, Not you personally. Wanted, I'm talking to our theoretical kid. <laughs> I wanted to do it. I it was fun. That was to me. That was part of the fun. Was being you know being creative with it, and um. But I mean, you can be creative. You know what? When we didn't have like when I don't know if you guys have ever gone trick or treating last minute with somebody. Like when you were a kid, and but yeah, or you were staying at somebody's house or something, and then it was like, oh, let's go, and but you weren't prepared. I don't know. Like somehow I ended up doing that like twice in my life. There's always gypsy, <laughs> sure, and, ho- and hobo, hobo and, and gypsy, like, sure, <laughs> pirate in a pinch. 
so potentially offensive. Yeah, I know. This is 30 years ago. <laughs> I know. I know. But I'm just saying. Now it's interesting that that's where everybody goes. <laughs> now it's Romani and homeless person. Right. <laughs> no, I think calling it a homeless person is 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 offensive. But if it's a hobo, and I mean like but like handkerchief on a stick. I go as one of those like uh, end of the interstate ramp homeless folks. Like I just have a sign that says uh, "homeless vet, please help." Yes. Yeah. Please provide Snickers. Yeah. (laughs) We'll 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 suck cock for Snickers. (laughs) Just not that far from the truth. If you catch me on the right day. Boy, it take it must take you forever to make it around the block. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm very popular. <laughs> you see that kid in the cocksucker costume? <laughs> I don't know what he was wearing, quite frankly. I just remember his agile tongue. Uh, and hey, all I had to pay was Snickers. <laughs> right. I got out of that for less than a buck ten. <laughs> I got the jumbo-sized bag of Snickers and gave it to him. Yeah, but what what I was what I've been thinking about though is like getting full size candy bars because I don't know how many trick or treaters <laughs> I'm gonna get, and I kind of want the reputation as, as like oh, yeah. the good house of like fuck that guy's giving out full candy bars like honest to goodness Hershey bars and Snickers bars none of this bite sized bullshit. Yeah, I mean, you it you know that reputation carries. When I was uh, when I was growing up, everyone wanted to go to Dominique Wilkins' house because. The it basketball was, player? Yeah. <laughs> because it was well known that he gave out full-size candy bars. Yeah. And so he always had a line. Like, going up to his, and I'm sure part of it had to do with the fact that he was Dominique Wilkins. Right. But. Yeah, no shit. If, like, he had given out bite-sized Snickers like other, the poors in the neighborhood, you'd be like, man, fuck Dominique Wilkins. You know he's sitting <laughs> on all that basketball money. <laughs> and he can't afford a couple of Hershey bars. What a cheap bastard. <laughs> um, so that's my... I don't, my I don't get trick-or-treaters. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, but that's also partly living in New York City. Sure. Yeah. In an, an apartment. Right. So, I, and I mean, I think last year, any potential ones I scared off, so... <laughs> that's Why? Were you giving out orange slices or some shit like that? Boxes of raisins. Do you mean like actual slices of orange, or do you mean the candy orange slices? I'm talking at like little plastic baggies with actual orange slices, <laughs> where it's just like, no, I never want you to come back. Here is here is genuine fruit. No, I was actually. Do you want to know what I was actually doing? <laughs> this goes back to a conversation we were having before we were recording. Now I do. <laughs> Oh no, I was masturbating loudly. So. Oh. <laughs> All night? No, well, at least for the while that the trick or treaters were going down the hall. Was that yeah. planned or did you just fall into a No. No, it just happened. <laughs> what? I heard them I, I think pause at the door and, and then walk on without <laughs> knocking. <laughs> what what lit the fire? Were you watching a particular movie or It just I don't know. Just happened. <laughs> just Sometimes the season. The mood just strikes. Yeah, exactly. I'm, no, I'm with you. I, I get it. 
uh, you know, I, but, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, th- I think I scared off, I scared off the trick or treaters. <laughs> or Not turn them I get on. Really any, anyway, but you got some kid going, there's a lady being murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I went to that second floor walk up and heard the, the sounds of lustful moaning. <laughs> Instead of there being was treated by the one kid who was like, I want to stay, but had to be the rest of the kids were pulling him away. <laughs> right, right. Like, no, I want to see how this ends. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, that or there was the adult hurting them down the, the hall quickly. <laughs> um, folks, you know, horror, horror movies. That's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> and. Uh, let's do a, a quick around the table here and, uh, and, and talk about what we've been watching of note, uh, pick a couple of movies that we have seen lately that are worth a, a mention. Um, Vanessa McLusty <laughs> <laughs> fingers McHenry, they call her, uh, or I mean, it could be rabbit. We, we don't know. Uh, and there are some things best left to the imagination, but what have you been watching um, that has pried you away from your valuable masturbation time? To, uh, uh, maybe to not. Watch? Or not. Or not. <laughs> you could have just rubbed your way through it. We don't know. Yes. Anywho, I went to the theater and saw Mandy. And, and how fucking good is Mandy? Oh, my God. That was so, so good. That is, that is honestly... Uh, I can't... It's going to be just, hard for me to think of a better movie I will have seen this year. I'm so glad I saw it on the big screen. Yeah, that, like I heard that there was this big trend of people catching it on Amazon because, you know, you can right. rent it on, on VOD and then right. seeing it there and being like, fuck, I got to go to the movie theater and watch this and see it with a, I got to see it with an audience. I got to see it with other people so that I can confirm that that movie just happened to me. Well, the audience that I saw it with too, there was like there was a trailer for the new Suspiria movie, and at the end of it, like everybody in the audience applauded. Great. So it was that kind of audience to begin with. Great. So everybody was on board to see Mandy, which I was like, that was the way to see it. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't see it with a bunch of assholes around me. The only better way to see it is to just see it with, like, Yodorovsky beside you. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, boy, that Mandy is something. I, I, I saw that as well, and... and um, <laughs> the scene where he does the uh, Hellraiser biker drugs, and his face yes. literally melts off, is one of those moments in movies where I was like, Oh, right. You can do anything in a movie if you just create a world where it's acceptable. And the world of Mandy is a world in which almost anything is acceptable. And it's beautiful and wonderful. And, um, I, you know, I think the way I've described it to people is like, this is the most metal movie that I may have ever seen. In my house, I coined the term Cinnobikers. Very nice. <laughs> nice. And I like yeah, the fact... I, I had a good time with that movie. I, I like the fact when he's like, what are they, Supernatural? No, man, they just had a, like, got this bathtub acid, just haven't been right since. You know? Yeah. Like, that's their trip. It's just that they they got they got hold of some bad Woodstock acid and just never recovered. 
Um, yeah, man, that movie, like when it breaks into the heavy metal animation sequences I, and stuff. I was just going to say, I love the inclusion of the animation. Mm. God. Oh man. That movie rocked me up. Good. The, the only thing that just kind of took me out of it was the fact of the cult leader played by, was played by Linus Roach. And he, for a while was like an ADA on one of the law and order <laughs> series. I think law and order is for you. <laughs> and so all I could see was him playing that character compared to playing the cult leader. Yeah. <laughs> Just, nice. I had a moment where I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Man, I, I've always been a proponent of, uh, maybe it's just because I'm a believer in equality, that there's just not um, enough male nudity in movies. There, there's, you know, hey, in, in horror movies, female nudity is rampant, and you, it's harder to find a horror film that doesn't have nudity on a, on a lady's part, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, a little tat for tit is my motto. And uh, anytime, anytime a movie is just like, here's this dude's dick, I'm like, right on. Well done, movie. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I guess I actually prefer seeing women nude, though. So <laughs> it's like, I, I'm okay with that. I just, there, it, it still feels like there's something taboo and kind of transgressive about it. Oh, no, that, yeah, I, that I totally get. And then whenever you do, it's like, oh, look at you, you know. And so from that end of it, you know, More like yes, that but I don't ever it. find anything titillating about it. Oh, no, I, I don't mean no. for titillation's sake. I just mean for like, oh, this movie is just doing what it do. Like, um, you know, and it, it like within the, the context of Mandy, uh, the fact that he's just this sexed up, drugged up, cult leader it kind of makes sense as well that he'd just be walking around in a robe and showing his wang off um of course it makes any nudity should be included in a film if it's part it makes sense as part of the context right you know it's the difference between having gratuitous nudity you know nudity which is fine and i'm into sometimes but it shouldn't be all the time right you know you and also there's certain situations where nudity would make it a natural part of the scene and they hold back and you're like, why? So yeah, I, I mean, I appreciated that. I was like, okay, you probably saw his dick more than you saw any other, any of the female nudity, which is brief. Yeah. And, and also, uh, a, a sleeping bag death to rival, um, Friday the 13th. I mean, it's a totally different yeah. kind of sleeping bag death, but in terms of somebody getting killed in a sleeping bag, for me it goes, uh, was that uh, Friday 6? Is that the sleeping bag? 7. 7? So Friday 7, The Prophecy, which is the single no, greatest sleeping bag. that's number 1. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then Mandy are kind of my top three now in terms of, hey, if you want to see someone killed in a sleeping bag, those are the movies you seek out. Yeah, I actually kind of prefer the Jason X version of the sleeping bag kill yeah. over the Friday 7 version of the sleeping bag kill just cuz it's, you know, two for one and it's total I mean it's totally ripping on that one, but I just think it's hilarious. But to me, prophecy bam. I mean, oh. that just that smack that is the best. It a it's a child 
Yes. Be, it, it, ex, <laughs> it explodes like somebody's firing a confetti cannon. And it is, <laughs> it's pure glory. Um, and Vanessa, anything else you've been, been watching aside from the most rocking movie of the year? Um, and then in preparation for this month's VD clinic, I watched the 1963 haunting and for some reason tortured myself with the 99 remake. Oh, that wow. abomination. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh. So here I, you know, went through one of my favorite horror films <laughs> and then the complete abortion of a remake <laughs> yeah you know what's what's funny the things we do to ourselves <laughs> i saw uh someone i think it was on twitter uh saying oh my god i just started reading shirley jackson's you know uh hill house and, and i just reread that too for the show as well and which i mean is one of my favorite books right well and they were saying like oh my god this first paragraph like i read that and it was one of the most amazing things ever and i was tempted to have that reaction of like a fucking course it's one of the most famous paragraphs in horror literature if not literature as a whole and then i I had to kind of pull back from that and and just be like that's great someone discovered hill house and you're right this is in my mind an incredibly well-known opening paragraph and yet the fact that you came mm-hmm. to it and were surprised by how great it was, good enough. Glad you glad you joined the party. Right. Right. Um, Don't but, be a literary snob, Bo. I'm not, but it's one of those things where just as a horror fan, the, the whole like, you know, whatever walked there, walked alone. And, you know, Hill House, comma, not sane, comma. You know, all that stuff is just like, I, I feel like everyone knows that. I feel like it's part of the horror DNA, but then... I realized, like, oh, not everyone necessarily had the same influence as I did. Well, exactly. And, I, and I'm and i really, I'm a big fan of Shirley Jackson in general. And she has a lot there. And, and yes, this is going to be something <laughs> that we're going to discuss on the episode. But I think not enough people know about her. Yeah. They might know the lottery, you know, because they had to read it in school. A lot of us had to, but. I did. I, mean, I, I yeah because I did exactly, but there's so much else she did that that if you're a horror fan or even you know suspense or thriller fan, read that <laughs> read that shit now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's well, and she is an author that doesn't get talked about. That's what I at mean. all, you know, at all, and that that is sadness. Right. Yeah. I, I I'm about due. Like I it, I know it's on my list this month for the horror movie a day stuff. Like I will watch mm-hmm. Hill House. Uh yes. it just hasn't happened yet or The Haunting. Um and but yeah, it's a near perfect film. In fact, I was watching um uh I'll talk about it when I talk about my shit, but I I was watching a movie just last night that had a very clear reference to The Haunting in it. Uh, mm-hmm. in a way that was like, oh yeah, I should have watched The Haunting instead of this. But that happens. But yeah, boy, The Haunting is good. Not the Owen Wilson version. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah, I, uh, 
I don't know. The, the the original Haunting is is my one, my number one movie that I, I usually try to watch on Halloween every year. Yeah. And it's just, it puts me in such the Halloween spirit, too. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's such a, I, I, yeah, I love a good haunted house ghost story kind of thing. Yeah. Apparently makes you touch yourself. <laughs> well, that was something different entirely jamie <laughs> that was layer of the white worm and it happens to everyone maybe <laughs> amanda donahue is just that kind of sexy uh, as a snake lady oh my god just hanging out in her basket uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah that was one of those that when I, I saw that as a kid and i was like i don't know if i should be turned on by this but i'm totally turned on by this um when she's all in her snake makeup and i was like Mm-hmm. Am I attracted to snakes? <laughs> oh, no, just svelte British beauties. Um, right. <laughs> Jamie, what uh, what mm-hmm. horror movies have you been watching of late that you want to want to mention? Or, you know well, what, if it's a, a, a TV show, I'll allow it. Um. Well, I did actually watch the season premiere of The Walking Dead, but... Uh, horror film wise, we went to see Hellfest ah, in the theater. That? I thought it was really fun. I mean, it's a straight up slasher, and that's something that we haven't had in the theater in a while. Like we, I mean, obviously, on never to the scale that we did at one point in like '82. I don't, you know, we'll never see that again. But it it was really fun. Like I, I had a good time with it, and I was really angry with all these people because that's all I hear all the time is. Put some slashers in the theater. Put some. How hard is it? You got a guy walking around killing people. That's not hard. Just do it. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so they do it, and then no one goes to see it. I'm like, fuck off, all you people who complain all the time. Put your money where your mouth is. You know, if you don't support this shit that you've been screaming about wanting, then you can't complain when they don't make them. But uh, I thought it was fun. Like, it it was a, a slasher that takes place in a horror-themed park and uh, I, I thought it was very authentic and f- as far as the theme park part of it goes I mean it's just basically like going to a bunch of haunted houses where it, in this film there were some jump scares but they were specifically designed to be aimed at the characters and not at us because they were going through haunted houses you know so it kind of it leaned into the authenticity in that regard. And I appreciated that. I thought that was cool. Like it, it, it worked, it, it worked really well. And the, I liked all the characters. There was not one asshole in the bunch. And I'm like, thank God, you know, it's just, it was fun and refreshing and I had a good time with it. So, and I know a few other, everyone I know who's seen it really enjoyed it. So, um, I don't know if it's even still out there. I did see The Nun is still out there, but I don't think Hellfest is, which is really sad. So It's playing here uh, local to me now. Um, oh, okay. But I also, you know, that that ain't a movie marketed towards me. I right. I mean, you've never been a you've never been a big slasher guy. Right. And I get that, you know, like I don't ex- I'm not going to yell at you. <laughs> for, I'm going to yell specifically at the people who've done nothing but bitch and moan. That we don't get slashers, you know, right. and then go see said slasher when it comes out. Right. You can really take me to task if they if there's a killer bear movie that hits the theaters. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I ain't going to see that. 
Um, other than that, we have been doing our theme for this year for Halloween. Because, you know, we do our whole uh, theme every year uh, for watching. Has been Halloween remakes. Uh, not, no, not remakes of Halloween. <laughs> although, although you could kind of get away with that at this point. Uh, we've been doing all remakes. And so, like, we started out with The Thing. Sure. Because Brian comes out swinging. That was, he had the first, and we alternate picks every day. So we started out with The Thing, and then we did, like, Night of the Living Dead, My Bloody Valentine. I gave Sorority Row another watch. And I actually liked it a lot better than I did when it originally came out. So that was interesting. And today, interestingly, um, you were talking about the Haunting remake, but today we watched um, House on Haunted Hill. And I did not care for it when it came out in 99, but watching it again tonight, I'm like, you know what? That didn't really suck. It was kind of fun. So it had a really great cast. Jeffrey Rush, you know, Famke Jansen and... Yeah. So I I watched that last night. That was the movie that makes the haunting reference with the bulging door. And Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. I do like that movie. I, I always have. It's just that the dialogue is real shitty in that movie, and that yeah. does it no favors. But the movie as a whole is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you've got Jeffrey Combs running around. I mean, he doesn't say anything, but he is just psycho. And, sure. um, you know, just being the psycho doctors, blah, and, you know, kind of in the background. Jeffrey Rush kills it in that movie. Uh, I love him. Yes, he's fantastic in that. And uh, it's just, I was like, wow. And I don't, and I guess what it is, is it does get a little crazy at the end. Like it goes just nuts at the end and you're like, ah, but when I was watching it and then their whole, you know, explanation of how everyone got invited, you know, ah, just, you know, internet ghost, you know, power, electricity, you know, whatever travels through the lines. And then, and then they just kind of brush past it. I'm like, yeah, that's weak. <laughs> but I, I do like the fact that they're just like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's whatever. If you're going to believe that, that this haunted house has trapped them inside to kill them one by one, is it that much crazier? You know, like like the movie is true. kind of a wink and a nod sort of thing. And that's kind of the spin that Chris Kattan even puts on it, too, when he's just like, you know, he's like, yeah, like, really? You got a problem with that? <laughs> and yeah, so uh, whatever. I mean, I'll go along with it. And it, I do think it's a little convoluted. And the the I have a plot. No, I have a plot. I have a plot, you know, <laughs> and uh it's a little all over the place, but at the same time, it kind of works. And I, I don't know. I, I had a really good time with it. So that was fun. And that's what I've been enjoying about this is re is ob- there are some obvious ones that are known quantities, you know, like invasion of the body snatchers is coming up. Obviously the thing, the fly, night of the living dead. We watched Dawn of the dead last night, my bloody Valentine. I've always loved. So these are, you know, things that I know going in that I'm going to love. We watched the Evil Dead remake. Love it. I, that's no surprise. But what I'm enjoying about this trip is watching, is rewatching the ones that I didn't really care for that much to begin with, but giving them another shot. Like we did When a Stranger Calls and Sorority Row and now House on Haunted Hill. So it's, it's a fun, it's a fun little ride. And it was so much easier to come up with a list of 30, because we only do 30 because on Halloween, actual Halloween, there's a, we have a set watch list that we do every year. <laughs> and we don't, we don't deviate from that. So we do 30 
And that way we each get 15 picks to it. It just works out. So it was so much easier to come up with 30 good remakes than I thought it was going to be. It just, they just kept rolling off the tongue and I, we didn't have to get anywhere near black Christmas or the fog. So, you know, it was, uh, it's really, it's turned out to be a really fun time. Boy, the fog is stinky. It's bad. <laughs> it is bad. Uh, it is probably easily my absolute. I think I probably would rank that as the absolute worst remake ever. I'm, it, I just, it is terrible. And I've tried. I've probably watched it about three times. Just every few years, I'll go, well, maybe it's not as bad as I remember. And then I'll try again. And I'm like, God damn it. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oof, oof. That's real shitty. Yeah, uh, it is terrible. Yeah, I, I, I really, you know, House on Haunted Hill, I think, is one of those movies that is nostalgic for me in a way because like even the the roller coaster that they're doing at the beginning of the movie is the Hulk coaster from Universal Studios and I remember when that came out it wasn't long after that coaster had been unveiled that I had ridden because I'm kind of a nut for roller coasters and uh my buddy Chad who lived there at the time uh still does um it was like hey you ought to come down they're doing this new Hulk coaster in this whole superhero area at Universal. So seeing the movie it was like, that's the Hulk coaster. I've been on that. And that's the cue. And then also there's Jeffrey Rush. And I love Jeffrey Rush. And even though some of the lines he has isn't very good, it's okay. And then there's Famke Jansen. And I like that, th- that whole dynamic between those characters because it's very reminiscent of the original film. And like there are all these things about it that I like. I don't know that it adds up to the sum of its parts. Um, but I actually, I think it's Chris Kattan's best movie. Which is, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not of like a wide field to choose from, like Corky Romano and <laughs> Night at the Roxbury. But, but I do like, like, like the scene where he's like, oh, that's the darkness in this place. That's, that's some whole different shit. Uh, like th- those kind of throwaways. Like, You're I, gonna hate that shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love him in this movie. I think he's yeah, fantastic. I do too. And I, I, I like a character in a movie that's like, oh, I know what this is, and now we're all gonna die. Like, just and matter just of factly, right? <laughs> like, he's just like, I'm gonna get drunk because I'm gonna die, and I would rather die drunk than sober. And although I do think at the end of the movie, when it, like his ghost is lifting the shutter, I'm like, eh, that's that's a real fuck you moment. But whatever, I'm like, I've well, been gotta, with the movie so far, so what? Well, know. that's yeah, I, that's kind of like how I was with the end. Because let me tell you, in the very beginning, when we get like the whole flashback thing with Jeffrey Combs and the nurses and the psychos and everything, and then we get to the Famke Jansen present day stuff with Jeffrey Rush at the theme park, and he's taking the reporter on the theme park, like on the roller coaster. First of all, that roller coaster looks badass. I love roller coasters, and it just excites me looking at it, just the aesthetics of it, the the way it works, the the colors. I love the whole thing. So. I'm like, I love this. And then, like, after he does that, then he goes into his office, and then the Marilyn Manson kicks in. I'm like, I turned to Brian, I was like, I don't remember any of this, but I fucking love it so yeah. far. I'm a real shitball in that as soon as that Marilyn Manson cover of Sweet Dreams Are Made of These kicks in, I'm like, oh, this is fucking good, y'all. That's like, me! I know. Every time. It, I don't care what it is. <laughs> yeah, I... 
I but I know like what a like l- just you know low sock shit heel kind of move that is for that movie. I don't know why I described it as low sock. I don't know what my problem <laughs> is with people who wear low socks. But anyway, it's just the the mental image in my head, like like. A guy who would willingly go to uh, an insane clown posse concert, like that—that that is a scene made for that guy. And, but I'm that guy, apparently. You know, um, yeah. yeah. I am it's yeah, it's pretty good. Um, anything else you want to mention besides our no, our mutual white trash appreciation of <laughs> the house on Haunted Hill, which. Maybe isn't that great a movie, but it's kind of a great movie. Yeah, it's I, not that bad. It's not that bad. I I have to say, I don't love it as much as you guys, but it's surprisingly not bad. Yeah. I think it's the best of the those three remakes that came out like around the same time. Yeah, oh, yeah all the no, Dark um, Castle stuff, the like and, uh, Thirteen yeah, Ghosts and Ghost Thirteen Ship. Ghosts, and yeah, I, to me, it is the best of those. I so. think it's. Partly the way I think it's partly the way the cast plays off of each other. Yeah, yeah. You've got Jeffrey Rush going for you, you and that Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, that goes a long yeah. way. Exactly. All right, I got a couple of movies I'll mention real quick before we uh, head into news and whatnots. Um, so I saw uh, Hell House LLC two, the Abaddon Hotel. Oh, how was that? We've been contemplating it. Uh, not very good. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and I like the first one quite a bit. Like, I've got a, a soft spot in my heart for the original Hell House LLC, which I thought was, again, it's one of those found footage, like, hey, they should have never been there in the first place kind of movies. But I think the scares in it are are genuinely good in, in that one. Less jump scare-ish and, and more sort of like... It's all, like, that movie is almost one of those... Uh, which which picture uh, or what's missing from this picture kind of puzzles where it's like, hey, here's a scene of uh, a bunch of mannequins sitting around in the basement. Now, when the camera goes back to look at that same shot, can you tell me which evil clown is missing? And, you know, that kind of stuff all through the movie. And I kind of yeah. like that. But the uh, the sequel... Lynn, it leans a little too heavily on its characters and it's just not well written enough to get away with that. And so the characters aren't really likable. The performances aren't very good when it kind of, you know, I, I talk about this a little bit in that, uh, uh, bonus episode. Um, when I was talking about this movie is that it does what a sequel should do, which is, take parts of the original that worked and then expand upon them and build the mythology out a little bit more, except all of that stuff is stupid and it, it's just not very good. It, it's really unfortunate. Like there are a couple of decent scares in it, but for the most part, it's a real wasted opportunity and whatever hopes I had for like, Oh, maybe this will be kind of a fun series of movies that, isn't necessarily highbrow, but it, when a Hell House LLC movie comes out, it's like, oh, well, this will be kind of creepy and, you know, a lot of just like, oh, my God, that clown wasn't there before. You know, that kind of shit. And I'm I'm a sucker for that. Uh, but no, nah, it's it's just not very good. It 
I'll tell you, it's like Grave Encounters. I think uh, as time goes on, I like that movie more and more. And Grave Encounters 2, as time goes on, I like less and less. And Hell House LLC Part 2 is kind of that for me of like, eh, it, it tries to do something with its internal logic that strains it to a point that I just don't think works anymore. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but I, I wanted to mention it because, you know, Hell House LLC is a movie that a lot of people have some fondness for. I'm one of them and the sequel just isn't very good. But speaking of movies that popped up on Shudder, uh, like Hell House LLC 2, the Abaddon Hotel, there is an Indonesian movie called Satan's Slaves that is on, uh, on Shudder now. And that movie kind of rocks. If you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, Someone, Alexandru from the Devour the Podcast group, when I mentioned that, watched it. He said, yeah, that's just like an Indonesian version of The Conjuring. And I said, yes, it is. But it's better than The Conjuring. (laughs) Um, Because the ending of it goes fucking bananas in a way that I really appreciated. Also, there is a scene where a kid gets sucked under a bus, and there is one shot of that in particular that was a real you kind of moment, <laughs> and I really appreciated that. It's a really good kind of creepy a Roscoe P. Coltrane moment. A Rosc, yes, where you're just like that hurts my parts. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um. But so the premise of it is there is a family in Indonesia. They, they've fallen on hard times. The mother used to be a pop singer of some renown, but that money has run out. She's very sick to the point of being barely communicative at this point. And the family is going bankrupt, just keeping her alive, essentially. And finally, she dies. And then creepy shit starts to happen in the house, and they start to see like visions of her around and that is the beginning of the insanity of this movie and it's really good and uh it has a bit of a slow burn probably the first 30 40 minutes of it is sort of set up and and really like easing into the story and then by the end of it it, it it's built a rapid pace in some ways it reminds me of the pacing of something like poltergeist where there's very little supernatural stuff in the first 30 45 minutes of it there it there is it's it, like there there are definitely some scares in there but by the time that you hit the like hour 10 mark it's just fucking off to the races and I really That's liked it. Cool. I like that. Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, I enjoyed that uh, quite a bit. And much like something like The Conjuring, there are some jump scares that it relies on, especially in the, the first hour or so. The, towards the end of it, it, it kind of drops the jump scare shit because it's got other things to do. But, you know... If you're one of those people like myself that's like, I don't want to watch another jump scare movie. Um, the I, I think the jump scares are actually pretty good, but there's also enough genuinely creepy uh, visuals. There are enough uh, genuinely creepy visuals that I think it overcomes what I even have a bit of a prejudice against 
movies that rely on that stuff too much. And for a while, I was like, oh, I hope it's not this all the way through. Oh, it's not this all the way through. Oh, my God. What the fuck is happening? Oh, my God. Did you see what happened when that kid went under a bus? Um, <laughs> and then and then what is going on at the end of this movie? Uh, yeah, it's it, it takes it a turn. Again? Satan's Slaves. It okay. is kind of a sequel to and reimagining of another Indonesian movie called Satan's Slaves that was done in the early 80s. So it's it's sort of it's not quite a remake, but it's kind of a remake. Um, in in some of the same ways that like Evil Dead Two is a remake of Evil Dead, it it kind of is, but it's also doing its own thing, and it's kind of a sequel as well. Anyway, it's okay. I get you. Yeah. Um, Did either of you guys see Ghoul on Netflix? Nah, I heard it wasn't very good. It no, was, I haven't seen it. You know what? Here's the thing. I it just make sure the that whomever told you it wasn't very good watched the whole thing. Because this was a it was a three episode TV show basically, but I think I think cuz it feels to me like it was originally a movie that they broke down um when they brought it over here. That's just what it feels like to me because each episode just blends seamlessly into the next one. Uh, but uh, we almost cashed out into like just a few minutes into the second episode. Cause I was just like, this is, there's no horror. Where's the horror? There is nothing horror here. Like it just, I was bored and I'm like, this is not why this is not good. Why am I watching this? But we had to watch it because of evil episodes and holy shit. Am I glad that I had to, because Right at the moment when I was about to give up, shit started happening. And then the last of it was, I mean, it was phenomenal. Like, I was blown away. I had such a good time with it. It was so fun. You could see all of these little nods to American horror films in there. It just, it was, but not like in your face. It was very subtle, but you could see the influences. And I just, I loved it. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm so glad I didn't give up on this. You know, but I can totally see why somebody would because I almost did. And if I didn't have to watch it, I wouldn't have finished it. Because I was just like, this isn't horror. Where's the horror? And I would have given up. But thank God I had to because it was totally worth it. Totally worth it. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, all right. I, You know, hey, look, I got to be honest with you. I ain't watching nothing but, uh, but Hill House. Because that premieres as of midnight tonight as we record this. And I will be watching that shit. Uh, me too. I, yeah, I ha- I took tomorrow off from work. Not because of that. <laughs> I'm making that clear. But I had just planned on doing stuff around the apartment. And yes, that will be on. At yeah. least to watch part of it. Yeah, I, I kind of backed in the same thing where I forgot that we get so at work to highlight we were talking about our jobs before this but and i was saying that where i work is actually really nice and and very uh very understanding very uh friendly kind of place to work uh part of that is they give you your birthday off and because my, my bir- company used to do that <laughs> well because my birthday fell on a day off this year you get to take another day off 
they're like, hey, I know you're, you were off on your birthday already, but you still get a day off work. So when I showed up this morning, they were like, what the fuck are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. And they were like, just take tomorrow off then. So I, I got a surprise Friday off, which is pretty rocking. And nice. yeah, so I'm like, oh, well, I'll just watch The Legend, uh, or not Legend, The Haunting of Hill House and uh, eat food that's bad for me. And, and, you know, play some video games and stuff on a day off that I didn't think I would have. So I'm very excited about it. Um, but yeah, yeah, enough of that stuff. So uh, we're going to take a, a quick break right here when we come back. News and Ask DTP. Be quiet a second, will you? It's 8 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 9 o'clock in Denver. It's 10 o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's 6.42. Time for the 11 o'clock report. Here's Johnny. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Game over, man. Game over. Your mother sucks cocks and hell. Welcome back to Devour the Podcast. Thanks for hanging with us. Next up, uh, look, we all need to know what's going on in the world. A lot of news happens every day. Uh, and I like to depend on one person for all my news. Unfortunately, he's not here. So instead, we have Jamie Sammons with your horror news. Jamie! Ha <laughs> With the spooky news. Ooh. It is actually actually the first news story is just sad. Yeah, it is sad. Um, this spooky news gathered as always by Miss Vanessa McHenry. Thank you, Vanessa. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, first up, it is a sad story and one that, it, but I had to include it. I was very no, and and you know you're rightfully so. Uh, one that I was very confused about what the day that it happened. Um, I'll go into why in a minute, but uh, sadly we lost Scott Wilson, the actor. Um, if you are not, if you're a Walking Dead fan, then you will know him as, as Herschel. If you're not, then you will know him from things like, ah, um, oh, crap, what's that movie? <laughs> the one that he's really good at. I mean, he's really good in everything he does. Behind the, the mask. Oh no, he was really good in that. <laughs> but um, Exorcist Three, um, what the Great Gatsby, the ninth, a ninth configuration is what. Oh I'm right, of. right, yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway, he's been around for a while, and he's very good. And I always liked him, and so that's very sad. But what I found interesting about this is I found on the day that he died, there were two conflicting stories going around. Some people were reporting that, yes, Scott Wilson has died. Some people were reporting Scott Wilson was returning to The Walking Dead. And I was like, I don't know who to believe. What's going on here? You know, and there were just and it was people were like, I can't find anything, you know, on actual news sites. And eventually it was discovered, like Brian started looking into it for me and he found, yes, he actually did die. And apparently the he's returning to The Walking Dead were just some, um, I guess people were being funny, like, you know, like, or tasteless, you be the judge. And he's right, you know, but I was like, yay, okay, ow. (laughs) Uh. 
But uh, anyway, so I he was very still confused. has one of the best deaths on there. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the fact that when that happened, even the cast members didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah. That is crazy. But I remember he was very bitter about that because he had just bought a house in Atlanta. And because of the show. And he did not know that was coming until right before it happened. And so he was very bitter about that. And I don't blame him. I mean, that's a that's a pain in the butt. But he also was originally from Georgia. Which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now he's a, a very good actor. I mean, it's a and it said that, uh, you know, he had he had been fighting cancer for a while, and uh, and that's a shame. It is, and so I yeah. am very sad. I will miss him, and I honestly, I didn't even realize he was sick. I never knew it that this right. If anybody had reported on it, I somehow had missed it, and this came out of nowhere. But. Um, I didn't know I was sick, but it also doesn't surprise me. No, I'm just glad I didn't find out about it while I was recording a podcast, which seems to happen to me <laughs> all the time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you're roll a tear at the drop of a hat. You know, and it, I mean, I can't, I, there's so many of them. I want to say I was recording a podcast when Wes Craven died. I was reporting, I know I was when Romero died. Um, yes, and uh, that just keeps happening. I'm like, stop already. <laughs> like, don't hit me with these things I'm not prepared for. <laughs> it's terrible. But anyway, he will be missed. And, um, he was, I, I don't know. I really, I always enjoyed him. I thought he brought, um, some great character to all his characters. So that's some sad news. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you know, RIP Scott Wilson. I mean, it, it, like he will forever be remembered from Walking Dead, and especially from Walking Dead when Walking Dead was pretty good. Oh, absolutely! That was arguably like it's it's heyday right there. Yeah. Um, moving on to some spookier news. <laughs> um, I always do that Halloween. I don't know. Lynn Shay, who's been in many. Scary movies. She says the upcoming grudge is her scariest to date. I love me some Lynn Shay. I do. And as we all know, <laughs> yes, we do. She is a huge part of the Waterverse. <laughs> she is a recurring figure in the Waterverse. But um, yeah, she's been in horror for a very long time. And she does other movies too. But um, I always think of Kingpin from <laughs> Yeah. Well, she, the landlady. And she is hysterical in that movie. Oh my god! <laughs> I love that movie way more than anyone should. I think. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Bo? Well, I was going to say she is the notably the sister of Robert Shea, um, exactly the yeah. head of New Line Cinema, which is. I think where she got her start. I don't actually care much for Lynn Shay. I don't I like I not as a person. I'm sure she's a, a perfectly wonderful human being. I I've just never thought she's given a performance that was all that good. So, sorry. Uh, whatever. I know. Um you're just crapping on it because of the wand. I know. No, it uh, like from <laughs> from jump. I always thought like uh <laughs> she she acts as well as the sister of the head of the studio should. You know what? She's not very teachery in that teacher role. Yeah. Uh, well, 
Moving on to the actual story, uh, Juwan the Grudge franchise is getting another reboot in the form of the simply titled Grudge, directed by Nicholas Pesci. Is he related to Joe? I, I think they're the same person, actually. Oh, okay. It's it's uh, his his stage name for directing. I see. Hey, it's gonna it's be a that- fucking scary ghost movie, yeah. Well, that's what he's been doing all these years in. And set for release next year, horror icon Lynn Shea, star of the Insidious franchise, stars in this new take on the classic terror tale. And Shea hypes this week that it's the downright scariest film she has ever been involved with. If that is, in fact, true, I will be super excited because we all know what Insidious does to me. Every time I watch it, I end up climbing all over the couch. So <laughs> if... if um. This is actually very scary. That excites me to no end. This is her quote. She says, wait until you see this. It's the scariest movie I've ever been a part of. Not even maybe, not even maybe. And it's the scariest part I've ever had, bar none. I think it comes out next August. I'm very excited about it. The horror fans are going to go insane. That I can promise. She channeled her inner Trump for that whole quote. (laughs) <laughs> it's the scariest movie I've ever been part of. Not even maybe. Not even maybe. Oh God, they love me over there. It's the scariest <laughs> part I've ever had, bar none. <laughs> she continued to say, "What will make it really different is Nicholas Pesci, who is the writer director, who is extraordinary. I mean, he's a real visionary." Based on a script by Midnight Meat Train scribe Jeff Bueller, it's a new take on the 2004 pick itself based on the 2002 Japanese original, which starred Sarah Michelle Gellar as a nurse in Tokyo who was afflicted by a curse that created uncontrollable homicidal rage. This will be the 12th Juon slash The Grudge film, which also has a video game, two short films, and several graphic novels included in the collection. It's set for release on August 16th, 2019. And I, for one, am very excited about this because I am unashamedly in love with the American remake of The Grudge. Yeah. it. Um, I, I, I love that movie. It scared the shit out of me. And uh, in the theater, and then I had to go home, and I lived by myself at the time, and I made my friend's brother check out my closets and everything. And that was the movie that made me, I had to turn all the lights on in the house. I slept fully clothed on my couch in case I needed to run. And uh, it was it was terrifying. I, I was awake until at least 4.30 in the morning because I was too terrified to sleep. And I was laying on my couch, and I remember the only thing, every time I opened my eyes, I would see the Pet cemetery cover staring at me and it freaked me out because then I started thinking about Zelda which also (laughs) freaks me out (laughs) so it was a rough night but anyway if it's anything like that one then I'm gonna be in for a good time I I don't know I'm not gonna rush out and see it but I mean I like Lin Shay but I don't love her so I don't know I'm kind of like yeah it could be good, but it could also be garbage. Yeah. I don't really care either way. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I No, I genuinely... But I know it matters to a lot of other people, though. <laughs> yeah, I see, I love the grudge films, uh, for the most part. Uh, not the American one so much. Like, the the original grudge is, is really good with Sarah Michelle Gellar. And then after that, they're kind of one 
one level of kind of crap or another. I but, agree. But I have... No, I agree, too. That That's why I don't care about this. But I, I do think that the original Juan films are great. I think that even the later films, like, you know, the White Ghost, Black Ghost stuff, there's still stuff to recommend those. Um, and I think that Eyes of My Mother is a a pretty a pretty cool horror flick. Uh, and, and certainly a cut above... Uh, a lot of horror films. So I'm curious, like all the ingredients are there for this to be at least interesting and not just, Hey, we're doing a remake of the grudge that I, I believe that they're approaching this with something more than, Hey, we're going to do a reboot because people will remember the name of this and might go to see it. So that gives me some hope, but also I think there is something very unique in particular about the Juan films that even in this synopsis where they're like, well, you're, they get possessed by homicidal rage. It's like, no, 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 they get, <laughs> they walk into a house and then they're fucking dead because that's the way the curse works. You don't have to do anything wrong. You just have to be geographically in the wrong place. And then you will be stalked by ghosts until you go crazy and die. And that's what's terrifying about, the grudge to me is that it is mindless. It is, you just, you brush up against the supernatural and the supernatural fucks your shit up. Yes, absolutely. And you, I, I, it doesn't, you, it has nothing to do with you. Like there's right. nothing you can do to avoid it. There's nothing you, cause you don't know about it. There's nothing you can do to stop it once it's started. I mean, it's, that's, terrifying right you just end up with a toshio squatting at the end of your bed <laughs> which oh my god kept me awake for weeks thinking about that every time I, I every time i lay in bed i'm like that little kid is standing next to my bed looking at me i know it <laughs> i'm such an easy mark when it comes to supernatural i really am yeah ah, but that's genuinely creepy <laughs> okay no, that well, is genuinely creepy i i'm right there with you I much prefer the the Japanese ones. Yeah. But even still, I, I'm not necessarily like, oh, I have to see every single one or get, I'm not that excited about every single one. Yeah, and I can, I get that. Like, it it makes sense. And I haven't even seen, I mean, shit, but there's 12 of them. I have, <laughs> right, I haven't seen every one of them. Um, Dave has. Dave Z is a huge fan of that series and he has tracked down and watched because some of them are very very difficult to get a hold of like they've it is almost near impossible to get a hold of them because they've never been released i mean you got to do some super fan shit to watch them and he's he's done all that i have not but you know i mean i'm not that because there's like all the the two separate line like lineages or the I mean, it's it's all it's just so much with that series, just so much stuff going on. But um, I think I've seen like three of the Japanese ones, two of the American ones, the first and the second, and then I never, I don't think I ever saw the third one, and because the second one was, I didn't like it at all. But I love the first one, so yeah. Well, here's something else I love. And oh my God, I almost peed when I saw this headline. Thank you, Vanessa. And I'm sure you know which one I'm about to talk about. Yes. Because I feel like you pulled this for me. I know. And 
<laughs> Sorry, Bo, I couldn't find a, a, a killer bear story this time. It's okay. <laughs> if I had had, you would, you would be peeing as well. It's, maybe masturbating. We'd all be peeing. We'd be peeing all over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's not a perfect world. No, but, not this week. This month. <laughs> oh, this is so exciting. Red Band trailer for throwback werewolf film Bone Hill Road spews blood and guts. And honestly, I have not seen this trailer. I have been, I, I, I am excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to see this trailer because looking at the artwork for, or the looking at the costume for this werewolf, it looks better than the late phases werewolves. I gotta tell you. And I mean, I, I love that movie, but it's just the, the werewolves were kind of goofy. They looked like hobgoblins. This, this one I think looks pretty cool. Anyway, it says, remember how cool werewolf movies used to be? I say yes. Films like An American Werewolf in London and The Howling were loaded with some of the most badass creature effects in the genre's history, but cool werewolf flicks of that sort have sadly fallen by the wayside in recent years. CG wolves and transformation scenes, well, they're just not nearly as awesome. All true. The last great one, Late Phases. Check it out if you haven't. And I agree with that. That is an amazing film. It's it's a very good film. Um, Amici acts his butt off in that film it's uh it's just really fucking good so i do recommend it i'm not a fan of the werewolves but the film overall is amazing but don uh, amici always a rock solid performer yeah <laughs> nick or you know did i say amici mm. i meant damici nick <laughs> nick um that's his name, Nick Demichi, isn't that? Yeah, yeah okay. that's it. Oh, okay. I was, I was thinking of Don Amici. No, when you said that, I'm like, wait a minute, I did say that, didn't I? Oh. Dumbass. <laughs> that's a whole separate thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Complete. That'd be a completely different film. But uh, <laughs> wait. Todd Sheets, a prolific shot-on-video filmmaker from back in the early days of VHS, has returned to the horror genre with new werewolf film Bone Hill Road. And I, you know what? I dig the name, too. Intended to channel the glory days of werewolf films. Past. He promises that the throwback movie will feature loads of retro-style practical effects and zero CGI claims backed up by the new trailer. In the film, Emily and Eden Stevens escape one violent situation only to dive headfirst into another. Terrified and alone, they are stranded in the dark woods only to be chased into a horrific scene in a house of horrors. They must work together to get out alive. But what is worse? What is on the inside or what is on the out? Horror legend Linnea Quigley, Gary Kent, and David E. McMahon star in the film out from Wild Eye, releasing this week on DVD and on digital soon. Holy shit, I'm so excited. I might have to resurrect liking it for this. <laughs> I just might, because I've been, um, people have been asking me to lately. Right, I mean, did you watch the trailer? No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, before, yeah, before you go too crazy. Like, it, it just looks very indie. I'm okay with indie as long as it the heart. I mean, I can be. I, you know what? <sighs> I'm still excited about it. I mean, I am. I, I just, I want some practical werewolves. I'm just, I'm sick of the, the crap. And it I'm might ex- still be crap, but at least it's practical crap. 
Yeah, I'm excited about Selma at least attempting practical crap. That, exactly. Right. That's <laughs> I mean, the, come yeah. on, put forth some effort. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> We're giving it a shot here, and I, you know, I gotta give him some respect for that. Yeah, there. In fairness, there is nothing worse than like low budget CGI. I, I'm much more forgiving of low budget practical than I am low right. budget CGI because that just looks like garbage. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, one of the worst werewolf films I've ever seen was called, I think it was Beast of Bray Road, where the um, where the werewolf looked like it was actually made of yarn. And <laughs> like it just the fur was just it looked like yarn. And I want to say it was Beast of Bray Road. If it's not, then I apologize to the makers of Beast of Bray Road, but I'm pretty sure it was. It looked really bad. And even then I'm like, well, you know, they tried, you know, right. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> Look terrible, but they tried. So, going by that photograph, I think it looks of uh, the werewolf at least at least in the still photo, it looks good. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the new Spawn movie should make children cry, according to McFarlane. Well, that's always good news for me. <laughs> I like making children cry. Uh, Todd McFarlane really wants his vision for Spawn to come through as a viciously scary horror movie, but it seems as if he's having a bit of trouble getting that point across. Make no mistake, McFarlane has zero intentions of this being a superhero movie, but he reveals that it's been rough getting his intentions through to Hollywood. Oh, go figure. I'm shocked. Here's what I'm trying to get Hollywood to understand because they still don't quite get it is I want to do a dead serious scary movie that happens to be a superhero right and so they keep tripping into this superhero part and I wish I could almost take that piece out of it. If you think about it as a as a horror it makes complete sense. If you think about it as Captain America it falls apart. Todd McFarlane is hell-bent on getting this movie to be the way that he wants it to be, and credit must definitely be given for that. If there's anything that can be gathered from this panel, it's that he's going on, going all in with his vision. He believes that he may just be having trouble getting his point across through his script alone. However, Greg Nicotero's involvement should be enough to truly get his ideas to shine through. Next time he approaches the studios, he's going in with pieces of Nicotero's costume that have already been made. And apparently he's already seen some of the pieces that uh, Nicotero's done. And, uh, and he's just like, that's it. That's it. Like he, I, you know what? I will totally watch that. Uh, he says, we're talking that it would make your kids cry. If you're going to do Dark R, make the children cry who are under 10. That's the movie. Do I think that the Joker is going to make 10-year-olds cry? Nope. Would I make them cry? Sure. I'm sure I would because I'd be doing a movie for adults. (laughs) You know what? Good on him. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I I don't have a lot of uh, fondness for that. Yeah, uh, the comic... The comic is very 90s for me. Like, it, it should come with a grunge soundtrack. And uh, so, I don't know. I'm curious how that's going to translate into a modern sensibility. Because McFarlane it has always struck me as a bit of a dude bro. And uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be curious. You know? Because that, that sort of, like, you know, it's got to be dark as fuck. 
Like, you know, every everyone's wearing leather. It's always raining. That's cool for the crow. But <laughs> <laughs> um, after that, I got kind of tired of it. Uh, you know, like uh, those underworld, uh, not underworld, the Resident Evil movies are are the kind of thing I think of um, when I think of Todd McFarlane. Like he he could adapt the uh, the, the uh, Resident Evil films into comic form, and that would seem to be his sensibilities. So I'm curious. Uh, like, look, I want everything to be good. It's just when I think of Todd McFarlane, the thing that leaps to mind isn't you know wildly inventive creator and horror guy. It's more like, oh yeah, the guy where you know everything is just grim and terrible, and that's you know sort of what passes for world building uh, from from his point of view. So, but I don't know. You know, it's been a long time since I've read anything that he's done. Um, you know, it was it was probably late eighties, early nineties, whenever he was doing uh, Spawn and. Um, you know the Spider-Man run that he he began with. I think it was just called Spider-Man that that particular run. Um, so I don't know. You know, fingers crossed. I, I would love it to be good. I think Spawn's kind of a cool kind of Faustian character, but we'll see. Is John Leguizamo going to be involved? That's what I want to know. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what's funny is when I think of McFarlane, I think of toys because I have a several from his toy line, but not the not like the comic book stuff, but it's the horror stuff. So I have like his Jack the Ripper and um, a couple of the Twisted Fairy Tales and um, Elizabeth Bathory figurines. And that's always what I think of when I think of McFarland. So like, and I love those. They're some of my favorite. They're some of my favorite collectibles. So I, I think he had definitely has the eye. I would like to, see, and I I like his. However, it turns out, I like his thinking behind it. I like that. Even so, if it even if it's not successful in what he is envisioning. I like the fact that he is envisioning it. Like, I like the fact that this is where he wants to go with this, that he wants to make it dark and scary as hell. I, I can respect that. So we'll see what happens. Sure. Sure. Okay. Next, uh, stomp out Nazis and Lovecraftian entities in Achtung Cthulhu tactics. That's that's a lot of words. If there's one group of people, if there's one group of people who deserve to have their asses whooped, it's Nazis. And that's why we're so excited to play Achtung Cthulhu Tactics, the turn-based tactical strategy game, which has just launched on PC, takes place in an alternate history version of World War II, where the Nazis summoned demonic Lovecraftian beings to help them take over the world. So far, I am reading Brian all over this. I I mean, it's just like every sentence gets more and more Brian to me. I am not a fan of, and he's over there nodding his head. Like <laughs> I am not a fan of turn-based games. I just can't do it. It, it bores me. But uh, he loves them. Um, also, he loves whooping Nazis and he <laughs> loves Lovecraft. So, yep, I see this in my future. Uh, taking control of an elite squadron of allied forces known as Charlie Company, you'll have to use all your wits and all your bullets to send the Nazis and the sinister pets back where they belong. 
an adaptation of the popular tabletop RPG, was developed by Oroche Digital and published by Ripstone. And if you want to get an idea of how it looks and plays, you can enjoy a 10-minute commentary video along with the launch trailer. And uh, I see watching that video sometime in my future as well. <laughs> so I don't know if anybody else got anything out of that story, but my husband did. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, I. that's one of those things like I wish I knew more people into shit like that. I might have to journey up there just so Brian and I can play and just nerd out like, I'll be your current this time. You can be the Cthulhu guy. <laughs> You know what? You totally could. We have a we have a guest room. You're what? You're more than welcome. Yeah, I knew this was gonna <laughs> appeal to someone. I mean, <laughs> aside from Brian, <laughs> I knew it would appeal to him. Also, I'm I'm gonna need the master bedroom. Oh man! Well, there are king size beds in both. I I just like to mark my territory. Actually, the guest room has the better. It actually has the Tempur Pedic mattress. My, um. Hmm. I can't do that. It I can't do the Tempur-Pedic. It's too, but it's the better one. I just, I can't like it. So I made him switch it out. <laughs> and he still stayed married to me. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that particular one doesn't speak to me, but cool. I'm sure I'll be watching it because <laughs> it'll be happening next to me. <laughs> sure. It's uh, inevitable. It is. It is. Oh, yeah. It's like death and taxes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Drew Goddard says, never say never on Cabin in the Woods 2. And by the way, I believe this is the dun, 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 final spooky story. Spooky stories. <laughs> a few years back now, <laughs> gather <laughs> Gather around, kids. I'll tell you a story. A few years back now, director Drew Goddard and co-writer Josh Whedon unleashed the new horror comedy classic, The Cabin in the Woods. The original film didn't have much room for a sequel, but that doesn't mean it will never happen. Didn't have much room as in the world exploded. <laughs> I don't know what, what else could go wrong. Not really exploded, I guess, but ended um goddard recently spoke with fandango about his upcoming film bad times at the el royale and let split some what and let split what let's <laughs> let let slip okay well it says split <laughs> doesn't it am i looking at that word wrong because i see split but um it should probably should be slip anyway and let slip some info on whether or whether or not we'll ever see the cabin in the woods too. Well, you know, we sort of painted ourselves into a corner with the ending of the cabin in the woods. It's not a thing that calls for an easy sequel. I'll tell you that much. Then he added, we had some crazy ideas, but Joss and I both felt strongly that we didn't want to do it that we didn't want to do it just to do it, right? I'm very lucky that I got to keep making movies. I don't need to just go make a sequel for the sake of making a sequel. The only way we could do it is if we could do it justice. And the truth is, it's a hard one to do justice. Every version of continuing the story undercuts the ending that we had in Cabin. And I just feel like the, that continues to be the perfect ending for that movie. And I've never wanted to undercut it. So sounds to me like it's never going to happen. I mean, 
Yeah, I, I felt like the, the title of that article was awfully misleading of like, never say never. And then he's like, yeah, the, Drew Goddard is like, I mean, probably not. If we had a great idea, maybe. But yeah, mostly like, no. Yeah, I mean, the last paragraph, he's like, I mean, look, I never say never. I've learned tomorrow that a bolt of lightning could strike and you could think of an idea that does that does the first one justice, but I haven't quite had that idea yet. I haven't had the idea yet that makes me go, oh, we have to drop everything and do that now. So, yet, yeah, no. I'm going to say no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's me saying that, predicting. And I honestly don't think it needs to. I think that film was perfect the way it was, and I think we got the ending that that film needed. And I really honestly cannot imagine what direction you could possibly go in that would, I mean, he's right, that would not undercut the ending of that film. If they could somehow come up with something that did do it justice and was just as good as the first one, of course I would be happy with with seeing it again because I had a good time in that world. But I just, I don't know how in the world they could do it, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, like you, unless you just had... Uh, like a survival story in a world where the old gods have returned, but you know, I don't know. Right. Uh, like some things don't need a sequel is my yeah. take on that is, is like, how about just enjoy the fact that there's a thing. It's sort of like, um, all the talk of the behind the mask, you know, after mentioning Scott Wilson earlier, um, that there was all the talk of like, Oh, there's going to be a sequel. It's also like, eh, you don't have to do that. I mean, I, right? <laughs> I, I it, it's fine if you do, and and you know, fingers crossed, it, it's half as good as uh, the original. But also, eh, it's fine. You don't have to. Oh yeah. Also, you could not. Yeah, because I, I I think that uh, behind the mask is super cool, and I think that Cabin in the Woods is super cool, and you don't have to do a second one. Because those are still going to be cool movies, even though, like, they're in neither case, probably more so behind the mask than Cabin in the Woods. But at no point have I looked back on Cabin in the Woods and thought, they really need to flush that out more. I feel like <laughs> they didn't answer the questions posed by the film. Uh, it's like, no, 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 that was a perfectly wonderful, self contained story and i don't that's fine yeah i agree if however anyone is interested in survival stories from after the old ones return like you mentioned i recommend reading return of the old ones edited by brian sammons no oh, well <laughs> which actually is a an anthology in three parts it's um and this is a little shameless plug for, but I, this I was going to say, it's <laughs> a, it's sneaking that in there. <laughs> I, it is a really great book though. It's one of my favorites that he's ever put together. It's like stories before they come back story is the first part. The second part is stories of during the comeback. And then the third part is stories after they come back. So it's a neat concept. Anyway, that was it for the news. The spooky news. All right. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> And now uh, it is time for Ask DTP. We have uh, a handful of questions for our Halloween episode. Uh, let's start with Abraham Ram, uh, who says, With the upcoming release of Halloween 2018, I notice a lot of people are starting to devalue the importance of Dr. Loomis as a character. 
Most are saying that Laurie is just as important as uh, Michael Myers and that the Loomis character is irrelevant after the first film. This seems totally wrong in my eyes, but I'm curious what you all think. Uh, so what do we think about the devaluation of Dr. Loomis? But I'll tell you, first of all, here's a problem. You take Dr. Loomis off the lot and he immediately loses value. Uh, and that's just a shame. <laughs> yeah, he is no Honda. Right. <laughs> uh, so now I, I've got Sir Mix-a-Lot lyrics stuck in my head now. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Honda's uh, just hold their value really well. <laughs> so, Vanessa, what, is, uh, what, what, what do you think about that? Um, I, I, no, Loomis is important. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't agree with anyone who devalues him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you just can't. He's, he's inescapable. Right. He's the one who explains. He's Dr. Exposition in Halloween. He's the one who right. understands what and Michael Myers is. he shot him is. six times. He shot him six <laughs> times. You know, it's a bunch of bullshit. Revisionist bullshit. Yeah. Anyone, any Halloween fan. Yeah, any Halloween fan who now says that Loomis isn't important, they're full of shit because Halloween fans, and I'm not even one of them. I mean, I I like Halloween, but I'm not a fan of the series on the whole. I mean, I'm more of a Friday girl, right? So, see, it's I prefer once, Halloween. Once we get past three, I just don't care anymore. I dip back in for H2O, and then I'm back out. But... um only because it continues the original canon. Thorn trilogy can suck a dick. But the, <laughs> but <laughs> Halloween fans have always said and it has been a it has it has been a constant throughout that they'll say, well, you know, Loomis without Loomis then you know the series is nothing. Well, at least it has Loomis. Well, Loomis is the shining star of the I mean, he has been the glue that has held those films together and made them watchable. For m most horror fans out there who enjoy that series, and that and that's what they've been saying forever, and I know this because I talk to them on a regular basis. So who the hell are these people who are suddenly like yeah, Loomis is completely unimportant? <laughs> like who are you, assholes? Yeah, just a bunch of assholes <laughs> and just a bunch of idiots. They don't get it. Loomis is he's, yeah, he's fucking. Captain Ahab, yeah. after his white whale of Michael yes. Myers, he's, he's integral to the entire series. You know, sorry, I love, I love the Loomis moments. He's incredibly entertaining. Yes, uh, you know, Lonnie, oh get your ass away from there. <laughs> I mean, even uh, even if you do not like for the Rob Zombie ones, there is something about Malcolm McDowell <laughs> as Loomis. <laughs> Right, well, Particularly the, the hippie one in the first one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's something about it's he's, he's still fucking Loomis. <laughs> and yeah, I and I like the take. The one thing I actually like about the Rob Zombie Halloween, because uh, I'm not a fan of that movie hardly at all. But I like Loomis as the shameless self promoter. Um, yes, in, in exactly. That I, I think that's a fun take on that character, and it's not without you know a seed. Even in the original Halloween, that Loomis is kind of, um, you know, like he's the guy who knows what's going on and he's not going to listen to other people uh, try to talk him out of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think Halloween, I just look at the original film because I don't care. Uh, aside from Halloween 3, uh, 
which is a totally different thing. I don't really care for any of the Halloween sequels. So in my mind, it's just the first movie and the first movie doesn't work without Loomis. So man, this would have been a great tie-in had we ranked the Halloween films. Yeah, right? but <laughs> but like I said, you're, I mean, once you get into Halloween's four, five, and six, it's like they're all tied for awful, whatever that <laughs> yeah. number I is. No, not necessarily. I, right, four is arguably damn close. I think four to me is the is the tolerable one. Yes, <laughs> five and six, I have no time for. No, that's six. <laughs> yeah, six. Yeah, six is rotten. I mean, they, they're just, you know. If, and I and again, Halloween is my preferred franchise over Friday. And I don't get it, but you know, whatever. I yeah, we <laughs> have our thing. It's okay, yeah, of course, of course. You know, and that's what makes us who we are. But part of why I love Halloween series so much is Loomis. <laughs> sure. Right. Well, that's the thing, and that's the way most Halloween fans have been. That's what everyone will tell you, is they love them some Loomis. And I, I get that, you know, because he honestly, when you get into some of those films, he's the only thing that keeps me from not like from poking my eyes out is that, I, oh, but there is <laughs> Loomis, whether he's got a Cocoa Puff on the side of his face or he's like full blown scar or whatever he's got going on. It's still Loomis. That's it's still Loomis. Whether he's screaming at a child you know where he is. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. And no, the fact that he, no. The fact that he scares off children and, I mean, like, he totally fucks with them. I'm like, I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. He's a good kid. Um, so, Abraham, uh, we're on your side. And whoever it is that is saying, uh, hey, Loomis is not important, um, tell him to shut up and tell him to... to up their butt with a coconut. How about that? <laughs> so, I'm not j- sure if that's exactly what we said, but sure. I, yeah. I, I felt like I... It's essentially, know, yeah. I synthesized the message into something coconut-related. Uh, sure. Joseph Petruziello uh, asks us, thoughts on the Pet Cemetery trailer? Oh, that's so funny because I was just about to say, tell him to shut up with that revisionist bullshit, just like those people who claim that Pet Cemetery's never been good because nobody fucking said that when the movie came out. I did. Oh, shut up. I, I, did, I know that, that original Pet Cemetery movie is not good. It never has been. It has always been good. It has. It's, the Zelda scene was always freaky. It, uh, yes. Herman Munster was always good in it. Yes. And that is it. And it no, and it has Gage. Gage is was, fucking stupid in that movie. He is not stupid. He was incredibly creepy. Yeah, all right. Oh, he was completely creepy. I and, just uh, uh, yeah. And I mean, somehow, and, plus, and somehow my cat Zora looks like Church and doesn't freak me the fuck out. <laughs> you know, I nobody said that. Nobody <laughs> said that at the time. It wasn't a thing. Everyone liked that movie when it came out. And up until the past few years, I've never heard anyone shit on it. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, well, it wasn't very good. I can't wait for that remake. Well, where the fuck were you? Because you never said that. Like, it was not a thing. It has always been regarded as, at least in, maybe some people out there have lost their minds. I don't know. But Zelda has, like, for years, I've been on forums for years, well over a decade, 
and Zelda has always been brought up as one of the creepiest things in horror. Yes. It's someone always brings her up. Right. So, you know, anyway, but now suddenly that movie's crap to hear people talk about. I mean, yes. Anyway, (laughs) as far as the trailer goes, I actually think it looks pretty good. I do, however, feel like it looks a little generic and I'm hoping that it's not. I'm hoping that it ends up being really good. I, mean, I want it to be good because I like to see good things. Like, I <laughs> I don't like to watch bad things. I like to watch good things. Well, sometimes I like to watch bad things. But <laughs> I want things to be good. I want to enjoy them. And I am looking forward to this, even though I have great love for the original, if you couldn't already tell. I'm not hating on the fact that they're remaking it. I don't mind it. I don't, I mean, I'm hell, I'm watching a whole month's worth of remakes. I clearly don't have a problem with that concept. I just hope that it's good. And honestly, with the trailer, it just seemed a little, it, I didn't really think anything looked all that special to me. But, I mean, we'll see. You know, I think that um, John Lithgow is pretty badass. And so I think he'll do a really good job. But I don't know. I, I don't I don't know if he's a Fred Gwynn. Yeah. Vanessa, uh, you have any thoughts on the uh, the Pet Cemetery trailer? I actually have not had time to watch it. I've just been way too busy with work, but I'm with Jamie as far as I, I enjoy the original a lot, but I don't mind that they're remaking it. I just want it to be good. I don't want it to be terrible, but I, yeah, I still question as much as I think John Lithgow is good as an actor. I just don't know if he'll, if he's quite right. Yeah. Fred Gwynn was so perfect in that role. He it's, was. He nailed it. It's it's yeah. I don't Honestly, know if that another can be scene, equaled. Another scene nobody ever talks about that I think was really effective and still is, honestly, is Timmy Baderman. Like that whole yes. thing with him, he freaks me the fuck out. Like when I read the book, that freaked me out. And then when I saw the movie and equated reading the book with him like doing that lumbering thing down the street and then where you see him just like gnawing on the little girl's leg and I don't know that was fucking nightmare fuel like it freaked me out I still think it works I don't know I don't I don't understand I don't understand it I don't get I don't get where it comes from Now dad I want to play with you <laughs> I don't I don't like, like I don't like voice <laughs> i don't like that i don't like the no fair i don't like that no fair no fair no fair yeah i just uh all the gauge stuff i don't like i it, it which which breaks the whole movie for me because as soon as that kid shows up and i'm like oh the kid's not very good because he's a child like no child actor is very good except for elisha wood uncannily but right <laughs> But because he is so Notice central. he hasn't grown. I, I don't think he was ever a child. I think he right. was an adult the whole time. He was, yeah, in in like the Sandlot, he was actually 27. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like he was always a good kid actor, but he's the exception, not the rule. So the, the kid playing Gage, yeah. like I'm, I'm not blaming him for being a bad actor because he's four. I just, none of that stuff works for me because every line delivery takes me out of the movie. I'm just like, ugh, oh, that's not good. Oh, I'm 
fine with him. It's the little girl that plays Ellie. She's bad. <laughs> I yes. Liked, I never liked her. She's I never, bad. ever, ever liked Ellie. She's the one I don't like in the movie. Yeah. Denise, I can't stand her, and I'll admit I that. I will give you that. Let's be real. Denise Crosby's not very good in it. Um, the I think she's fine. I just don't. Like, I think she's a bitch. But I, I don't. Yeah, bad, yeah exactly. I don't think she's a bad actress. I yeah, yeah. I don't think she's all that good in that film. And I think she can be a very good as an actress. I just don't think she's good in that. And I also don't. I don't, I don't remember the name of the main dude. I don't like him in it. I like. I like. I said. I like uh, the Zelda scene, and I like Fred Gwynn, and that's it. That's the only thing I like in that movie. In any scene that Fred Gwynn isn't in. Or doesn't have a puppet with spina bifida, then I'm just like I don't care about anything that's happening in this movie, which is a tragedy because I think the book is terrifying. But all right, absolutely. So, so no better, no worse. The so seeing the trailer for the new pet cemetery, the one thing I didn't care for is all the masked kids. And yeah. like the procession of like, right. hey, we're we're gonna go bury. Although that does call back the thing from the book. The man, no, no, no. The thing from the book about how the kids uh, in the uh, the town always tended the pet cemetery in a way that was kind of unnatural, and and the way that all the graves were arranged in this you know spiraling circular fashion. That there was something about the pet cemetery itself that called to the children. And so there's something to that, and I kind of understand the genesis of it, but I'm not crazy about that in, in terms of what I've seen in the trailer. But the first time that you see the house, and then that's interrupted by the uh, the Truck. 18-wheeler barreling yeah. by, it was like, oh, that feels very authentic to what's in my head. When I think of Pet Cemetery, um, a lot of the visuals look good. John Lithgow as as uh, Ed Ed Crandall, Bud Crandall, one of those. Judd. Judd Crandall. He's not really doing an accent, which I think is fine, but I think he'll be very good in it. And you know, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that again, this is my own take on it. I don't really care for the original Pet Cemetery. I think you don't have to go far to make a better movie out of a book that I think is one of Stephen King's best. So I'm all for Like this was one of those remakes that I was like, please do a remake, please do a remake of pet cemetery someday. And you know, we'll see how it all turns out. But I eh, the trailer has me guardedly optimistic. I think there's plenty of ingredients there to make, make it a good movie. I'm just, I, I don't want them to descend into that creepy kid stuff too much because I don't think that's the point of the book. But the whole point of the book is, you know, fear of death and particularly the loss of a child. And you don't have to have scary kids necessarily for that. Oh, I mean, I, I agree completely. I am excited about it. I, I, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see what they do with it. I do find it interesting that it seems very similar, uh, obviously updated, but otherwise like all the beats seem very similar. So I'm like, are you, did you do anything with it or did you just redo it like Carrie? Right. If you just don't have terrible acting in it, then maybe that's an improvement and maybe that's all I need. It's just, uh, it's just the same movie only with good performances. So <laughs> I bet they won't Next have question. the Ramones. Yeah. All right. So we're wrap Next it up. Question. Yeah. And Andrew <laughs> Huff. 
uh, of uh, Friday the 13th fame. Uh, which, by the way, folks, put a little sunshine in your life and uh, listen to Friday the 13th. Uh, that, is, that is a show that uh, always puts a smile on my face. They will be on the next um, VD Clinic episode. Oh, both of them? Yeah. Oh, they great. would have been on the cinema beef, except we had some technical issues. Uh, it, actually, if you go over to uh, patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts, the very first Patreon commentary is myself and uh, Andrew and Maddie talking about Children of the Corn. And uh, it, it was a very funny conversation. Andrew asks us uh, to wrap up SDTP for our special Halloween episode. Any plans for actual Halloween? So this is a, a great question to wrap up on. Jamie, what in the hell are you actually doing for Halloween this year? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, we we always do haunts, so that's going to be a thing. We've talked about doing a Halloween party. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, just because things that have been going on in personal life. So, I honestly don't know. I do know that there will be some... I, I do love on actual Halloween. We always watch Halloween 1, 2, 3, WNUF, Trick or Treat, and I feel like I'm missing something. But, uh, and I love answering the door for trick-or-treaters. So, like, actual Halloween night, we always spend at home just spending time together and doing that. So, that's what we'll be doing for actual Halloween. Yes, Halloween is a time for togetherness the whole world round. Vanessa, (laughs) what what will you be doing uh, for Halloween? Uh, all Hallows Eve. Well, if I decide to stay in, I'm. They'll be watching The Haunting again. Although I don't know if I'm going to do. I don't know if I'll do that this year, since it will be watching it a couple times for whatever the episode. So I don't know. I'll probably watch it again, knowing me. But I'm again. I, I don't know. I might end up going to like the Halloween parade here in the West Village. Huh. But I already took the day off and the the day after off. I always do. Sure. <laughs> like from work it's i'm like it's a religious holiday right <laughs> for right. me at least yeah oh show i uh for the first time because i've been an apartment dweller for years and years and I'm, I'm actually in a neighborhood what has kids so for the first time in years and years i will be handing out uh candy to trick-or-treaters and i am in the process of getting like the yard decorated and uh, like I'm really doing it up. Like I want to be the spooky house. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting, s- yeah, I'm getting some, some lawn decorations and, uh, I'm, you know, I'll be getting a jack-o'-lantern soon so I can have that on the porch with the, the candles lit and whatnot. And yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. So I'm going to be handing out candy bar, full ass candy bars. To uh, to trick or treat. Spread the word, kids. That's right. Ransdale's house, old man Ransdale. You know, like I'll have the scary movies going while I'm waiting for uh, trick or treaters, and um, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to try to have anybody over or not, but potentially it just depends how much work I get done getting stuff moved in and and organized and stuff like that. So I might be flying solo and handing out candy, uh, or I might have uh, some people over to uh, to enjoy the movies and. You know, hand out uh, candy and stuff. But I'm really looking forward to it. I'm very excited to kind of be on the other end of 
the Halloween celebration of like, uh, how can I, how can I make the trick or treaters come to the door that come to the door have kind of a kick ass Halloween and, you know. Gotta tell you, man, I love it. I love it. It is definitely, a, and I feel like such so old because I used to actually go out and do stuff on Halloween. Um, but now I'm, I, I really look forward to staying home and watching our movie lineup. Oh, Jacko is the other movie, by the way. I always watch that every year. That's my thing, not Brian's. He doesn't. <laughs> he tries to avoid it, but it's so fun to to because I always go like decorate the yard and everything. It's just so much fun to get in on that and to have kids come to the house, like to just to see them come running up the driveway, you know, and they're so excited. I don't know. It warms the heart. It really does. Yeah. So, And I remember being there. I remember being them, you know. Right. Right. You know, and hey, everyone, have a happy Halloween in case we forget to mention it later, which we won't. Yeah. Um. So let's get to our movies of the evening. How about that? Uh, the first film, a listener-selected film, uh, which came up on the Wheel O Devour, is Berlin Syndrome, and we will talk about that right after this break. Are you terrified by real life? Us too! You like horror movies? Us too! Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. So why didn't you come to Berlin? You know those life experiences that people talk about all the time? I don't want this to end. I wish I could stay. You want to see? Open the door! No one can hear you. The character is constantly moving. He feels shame about himself. This is going. Us.
Hey, welcome back to Devour the Podcast. This is the listener request film. Uh, tonight's first movie is Berlin Syndrome from 2017 AD. It is directed by Kate Shortland and written by Sean Grant, Melanie uh, Houston, J-O-O-S-T-N, uh, for the, the novel, as well as additional material by Kate Shortland, the director. It stars Teresa Palmer as Claire Max Reibelt as Andy, uh, Matthias Habich as Eric, Emma Bodine as Franca, and, uh, you know, some other German people doing German shit. Uh, the synopsis is, a passionate holiday romance lead, leads to an obsessive relationship when an Australian photojournalist wakes one morning in a Berlin apartment and is unable to leave. So, Vanessa, let's start with you. What did you think of Berlin Syndrome? Come to me second. I have a cat that I have to deal with. <laughs> I, I mean, have to get off my lap. I mean, Jamie, <laughs> let's start with you. Okay. What did you <laughs> what did you think of Berlin Syndrome? Well, this is not a film that I was uh, that I knew anything about. I, I feel like I knew the title, but I wasn't sure what to expect. So when I went I went to read a synopsis to see what I was in for and I was like, Oh, I see. So it's kind of like Stockholm syndrome, but it takes place in Berlin is like what is kind of where I expected it to go. So we've got this chick who gets, you know, held captive by this guy and it's interesting. I, I do really like it. I feel like it is very languid in its pace. Like it just, it, I don't know, like it stretches out because I feel like if you were to take everything and smoosh it together, that there's not a whole lot that happens, but it just, the way that it's paced, is just stretched out. But I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I, you know, I kind of like it. I am left wondering at the end. So are we just leaving? Like, <laughs> are we going to do anything? Are, are we... Where are we going right now? Are we going to the airport? Are we going to the police station? What are we doing? Yeah, like, <laughs> I, yeah. I think it's the police station at that point. Like she is being taken somewhere where you know she can be debriefed and whatnot. That's I exactly feel like, what I think. That's okay. exactly what I think. I feel like it could go either way, and the that either one of those solutions would work on a but on a very different level. So, like, if you're going to assume, which I naturally assumed, yes, she's going to the police station, like, she's going to go report him, but my, that would make sense. Um, but she's now, tr you know, got him where he can't go anywhere. However, my first thought, the very first thought I had was that she was just going home, back to Brisbane, and she was leaving his ass where he was planning on leaving her, which I actually think is a more horrific and kind of a cool ending, even though it's not very responsible <laughs> as far as like socially responsible, because there are other things that he was that he had done that people need to know about. So I was like that that really wouldn't be very cool on for, for the part of solving other cases. You know, you need to kind of close that up. But then I thought there was kind of a bit of a like that'd be kind of a bit of a horrifying little twist. But I did have some issues here and there with some choices that she made that I thought were kind of interesting choices. And I'm like, mm, it just doesn't seem, it didn't always seem all that natural to me. But at the same time, there were things about it that I really liked. And it, so I guess overall, like it, it worked for me. I, I did enjoy it. 
that was very vague and non-committal. <laughs> All right, no, no, I, I like it. I like it. Keeping the options open, willing to be swayed. Um, Vanessa, what about you? What did you, what did you think of Berlin Syndrome? I I felt like the idea was good and had possibilities. However, it didn't do anything for me that I felt like I hadn't necessarily seen before. And it made, but it made me want to read the novel that it's based on because I have a feeling it, it has this really good idea behind it. And I have a feeling that it's just works better on the written page than on film. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, so I'm not saying it's a bad film and I, I mean, I enjoyed it enough, but it's not like I'm like, Oh my god, that was great! <laughs> it was just like, eh, okay, wasn't yeah, bad. Yeah, I, I think I'm with both of you on this one. I think that I think it's a good movie. I think uh, the performances are really good. That Teresa Palmer and and Mark Zweimelt, um <laughs> are both very good in this film. But I also think that the runtime feels a little long for what the movie is. Here's what I dig about it is I think there are these interesting moments throughout the film, uh, you know, as you realize that, like, oh, Claire is actually trapped in this place. Like, the scene where she realizes, oh, he's keeping me here, I think is really cool. Like, there is something about the way that he eases her into captivity that I think Mm -hmm. is really unsettling. The revelation that he has written the word mine on her in in a place that she can't readily see. You know, that kind of stuff. I think all that stuff is really creepy. I think that there are these interesting blurs in the film as to her. Yes, she's being captive and she's being assaulted by this guy. But there's also this weird relationship between them because it began with her genuinely being attracted to him. And there are still moments, even after she's been his captive for a while, where you're like, okay, is she just playing a role at this point to try to catch him off guard? Or is this also this weird relationship that the two of them have where she can sort of hold both of those seemingly dichotomous thoughts in her head at the same time that yes, this is horrible and I'm being held prisoner and I need to get away, but also I can acknowledge this attraction that I felt to him and and that some residue of that remains, even though she is obviously taking every opportunity she has to try to get free of the situation. And the kind of little cruelties that he visits on her, like, you know, getting her the dog and then taking the dog away and all that stuff, like... I, I think it's really interesting. I think that there's kind of a sexual component to it that isn't readily uh, simple. You know, I don't think it's it, it's just that he's a monster. I mean, he clearly is, but I also feel like there is a little bit of you know that that the sexuality that that passes between them is isn't as clean and neat as just she is the victim and he is the the assailant you know i mean he is but also not and it, it it's interesting I, I think there there is a really odd component to this uh you know like you mentioned jamie the idea of the stockholm syndrome of being coming to rely and depend on and also have some affection for your captor 
And I don't know that it goes necessarily that far in this situation, but there is something other than just I'm a victim and, and I and I have to get away. Right. Well, you can see that, especially in the scene where his father dies. Yeah. Or he returns after his father dies. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what makes this more compelling than a lot of other films that tell the similar story of a Stockholm Syndrome kind of relationship or something. Yes. And worth noting, I think, that this director, uh, Kate Shortland, um, is doing the Black Widow film, the superhero film, which I think is really interesting. Of like, Why not have someone who sure. ha- has these clearly interesting musings on gender and sexuality and things like that that happened throughout uh, Berlin Syndrome and take somebody with that kind of background and place them in, in a position to tell a superhero story about a female superhero and, and theoretically with a death touch and, and a more complicated kind of uh, ideology behind it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's one of those things like I, if someone asked me if they should see Berlin syndrome, I would be like, yeah, it's a little slow, you know, it's a little ponderous uh, in, in its execution, but it's also not just a rape and abduction film. You know, it's not Wolf Creek or something where it's just a woman being terrorized. No. It's more complicated than that. No, it's not something like The Collector or anything right. like that. Oh, God. Right. No, there are some there are some layers to this, and some very complicated emotional layers. You can, for instance, the scene that I referenced when he returns after he'd left her for a week uh, when his dad died, and she didn't think he was coming back. You know, she'd been going about her business the best she could there. When he does return and tells her that you can see in her response to him, it could have gone either way. Like, it could have been like, I'm going to fake this response right now because I need to stay on your good side. But by the way that she was embracing him, by the way that she reacted to him, you could tell it was genuine compassion. Or at least that's what I felt. Like, there was a one where she put her arms around him, but then... And like a couple beats later, she her hand wrapped a little tighter around his neck, just in a way that you would naturally if you were being compassionate towards someone, if you actually cared about what they were going through. And I thought that was interesting because she was clearly there were there were some conflicts. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely like to read the book. Probably won't. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought the same thing of like, yeah, I bet this book is interesting. There is no way in hell I will ever read it, but, um, th- that's just a time <laughs> thing. You know, it's not because I, I think the book isn't going to be good. It's just like, I don't, I don't have time to do anything, much less read a book that inspired a movie that I kind of like, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but if one of you reads the book and tells me it's great, then I certainly will. So I, I leave it up to you fine ladies. Uh, anything else before we rate this one up? Any, anyone have any final thoughts on, uh, Berlin syndrome? No. Yeah. I, I don't really, there's not really a lot to it. I mean, that's the thing It's well, all right. Like I said, there were layers and it, there are some complicated emotional things going on there. That's true. But I don't feel like there's a lot to say about it. You kind of have to just experience that and, you know, 
Right. You know what I mean? Like it, you have to see it for yourself to know what I'm talking about. So there's not a whole lot of discussion really. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a relatively simple story with a complicated emotional life underneath it. And, and that's what makes it more interesting than most of these kinds of movies. But yeah, it's not, it, it, it there's not a, a ton to say about it uh, other than, you know, what we've already said. So let's go ahead and rate it up. Uh, Jamie, on a scale of one to five stars, uh, one being lowest, five being highest, half stars are allowed, but not quarter stars. We are not monsters. What would you rate um, <laughs> the uh, Berlin Syndrome? I'm going to say I'll give it a three. I'm, I liked it. Okay. All right. Uh, Vanessa. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'd give it a three as well. Uh, all right, let's call this unanimous. I will also give it three stars. This is a real... Yeah, it's one of the... Again, I, if, if someone told me, like, hey, I just saw Berlin Syndrome and I thought it was really good, then I would say, uh, you're probably not wrong. You know, it just... Uh, it's. I, I thought it was better than average, but that's it. It had some nice camera shots. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's pretty... But- I, but even those weren't like oh breathtaking extraordinary. Yeah. Oh my god! If this movie came in at a at a smooth ninety minutes and and had all the same stuff in it, I think I would be a little more willing to go higher on a score. Actually, yeah. What was the runtime on this? Uh, like hour fifty six. Felt like forever. Yeah, it's okay. a it's a two hour film. Yeah, it doesn't need to be. Yeah, yeah no, it, it doesn't need to be. No, I mean, well, like I said in the very beginning, I didn't even realize the runtime when I said it, but it's true. Like, I feel like if you mash all the stuff together that happens in this film, it's really not that much. So there really is no reason for it to have that long of a runtime. Um, and it's not that like, oh, I have, you know, I can't focus on things for too long or, you know, <laughs> it's not ADD talking. It's that, you know, sometimes we just need to move things along <laughs> like and there's no point in sitting in in sitting in something longer than you have to you know yeah uh, it makes sense for the story like an hour 40 tops <laughs> right tops all right folks it is time now to turn our attention to tonight's uh feature film uh, uh that of course is the nun spooky and now, our feature presentation. I had a series of visions when I was younger. And after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. What did you see? I saw none. Word of my visions reached the church. I was asked to accompany a priest to an abbey in Romania. The abbey has a long history. Valak. Not all good. What? Jimmy Hiddell. Kalan's here.
The Nun uh, is uh, a prequel slash sequel to the Conjuring films, uh, directed by Corin Hardy, best known for The Hallow, I guess, uh, is, is probably his claim to fame. Adore that film. I do. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Um, and uh, the synopsis goes, uh, a priest with a haunted past and a novice on the threshold of her final vows are sent by the Vatican to investigate the death of a young nun in Romania and confront a malevolent force in the form of a demonic nun. Uh, it stars Demian Bashir as Father Burke, Thaisa Farmiga as Sister Irene, uh, Jonas Bloquet as Frenchie, <laughs> Bonnie Ahrens as the nun, the titular nun, Valak, uh, Ingrid Bisu as Sister Oana, Charlotte Hope as Sister Victoria, Sandra Tellis as Sister Ruth, uh, Lynette Gaza as Mother Superior, and the flying nun is of course Gidget um, Sally Field so Jamie this is yeah. a movie that is up your alley <laughs> you enjoy uh, the Conjuring films uh, a lot more than myself so just say it say it I want to hear you say it uh, it's the Wanniverse movie yes <laughs> yes so, what did you take uh, away from The Nun, which comes in at a cool 96 minutes? Okay, here's Thankfully. I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that this film did something that blew me away story-wise. I'm not going to say that they did something that was all that incredibly new, because they didn't. That, that did not happen. But what I, or, nor did it, I find it particularly scary. Or even scary at all. There was actually one moment I thought worked really well, and it was when Frenchie went into the down to where showing them where he had put the body, and the body was in a different position than when he left it. I thought that was very cool. I thought it worked. I wasn't surprised by it because I kind of felt it coming, but I thought it was still neat and effective. This is what I love about this film, though. I love the atmosphere. It is gothic as fuck. Like, you give this movie, I don't know, like a copy of The Crow and <laughs> some lithium, and you don't get any more goth. It's It has some amazing shots in the woods where you've got the lights coming through the woods. We've got some really cool, creepy-ass tombstones. It was filmed in an actual monastery that is still working today, which I think is badass. Not all of it. It was you know, There were some of it that was done on a stage there were some of it that w was done in a different location but there were portions of it that were filmed inside an actual working monastery which i just think lends a whole nother creepiness to it and this monastery was built in the 1200s which is just cool i love the fact that everywhere we go in this monastery there is all this swamp gas for whatever reason i don't know but it looks cool it just it it harkened back to me to the old Universal films or even the Hammer films, it it just had this whole aesthetic to it that made me giddy. I was so incredibly happy with my eyeballs the entire time I was watching this. Add to that the score, which I really enjoyed as well. So I don't feel like this story was anything special, but 
I had an amazing experience when I was watching it because I was completely immersed in the world that they created and I was very happy to be there. All right. Uh, Vanessa, uh, how about you? What did you make of Der Nun? Uh, I agree with that pretty much. It's I, I love the atmosphere of this. I'm all about that the 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 fog and just the shadows and the way the the different the color palette and everything. But yes, it's story wise, I would have liked to have seen more I don't know of the evil that actually originated the fucking of the place. I don't know. I just I <laughs> I felt like it needed that. If this was supposed to be the prequel what, are we going to have a prequel to a prequel in the future of the Waniverse to tell us what this evil was that begat the nun? Because we certainly didn't really get... I don't feel like we got that here. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't think you're wrong. But I... I, I and I wanted to know more about <laughs> the the priest. Like, what's it, what's he been doing all this time? Like, wh- seems like that's a much more interesting story to tell than, oh, let's go follow the Warrens. I'm just saying, if we're looking to expand the Waniverse... Yeah, the French character was kind of annoying, but yeah, I the atmosphere. I liked him. He's just after a while, kind of annoyed me. Anyway, I yeah, it, I, the atmosphere is what I really enjoyed about it. But overall, I was kind of yeah. Yeah, I I think it's real dumb. <laughs> yeah, well, I, exactly. And and it's simple shit that I felt like it got me progressively angry. Uh, as I was watching the movie, and it started around the time Frenchie was saying, um, "Hey, you know, before you guys showed up, I've never talked to any of the nuns. You know, like I just show up, drop shit off in this room, and then I leave, and then somebody, I guess, comes and picks it up. And then later, uh, after he says that, when they're in the room with." the body that the scene you're talking about, Jamie, he was like, Oh, that's the door where all the the nuns come from to collect the food. And it's like, well, how would you know that you just said you weren't there when it happened? And maybe you're making a, a guess, but why don't you say that then? I guess that's where they come from because you don't know. Or, and here's another one. What about when uh, the priest is saying, like, oh, we got to go because it's after sundown and all the nuns have taken this vow of silence and after sundown, they're not going to speak to us anymore. Except when Thaisa Farmiga shows up and it's clearly after sundown because it's dark outside and the nuns are chatting up a storm while he's waiting for her in the lobby or whatever where the kids vomited up snakes. And by the way, the kid vomiting up snakes... That's the most interesting thing I saw in this movie. What's going on with him? Uh, also, the whole, like, only you can wield this, you know, the bobble of Jesus or whatever. And meanwhile, everyone gets a turn with the thing. And it's just, uh, like, there's all these lines throughout the movie that just contradict the internal logic of the film. Where it's like, yes, this is nitpicky, but after the fifth or sixth one... I'm not being nitpicky anymore. This is just a shitty script. And no matter how much... Like, I, I agree with you. I like the idea of this horror film set in this monastery. Or, you know, a nunnery or whatever the fuck. A cloister. Whatever it is. And 
I, I think that's cool, and there is something kind of gothic and classical about it, but it's just such a fucking stupid screenplay that it wastes all the goodwill that I had of like, oh, this is kind of a cool setting. Like, even the stuff with the uh, the the gag with the bell in the coffin, where you're like, oh, okay, well, that's going to pay off later. Oh, right. 10 minutes later it happens, and then we don't ever reference it again? All right, I guess. I guess it's just like everything else in this movie. Don't matter none. <laughs> you know, like like you were saying, there's no real backstory of Valak other than like, oh, Valak's a demon and it's here at this monastery or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. And what else about it? Nothing. Don't worry about it. And it it's just a lot of that shit. It just feels like a movie that is made from the cynical point of view of, hey, these Conjuring movies are making us some money. I bet we could make some money off of this. And nobody really cared about it. You know, it like, I don't think that anybody was setting out to make a bad movie or anything. I just don't think that anyone really gave a shit about it. It was just like, okay. Like, I think Corn Hardy was doing it for a paycheck. I think Thaisa Formiga was doing it for a paycheck. I think everybody involved was doing it because this was a movie they were going to make anyway. So why not get on board? And and collect the money that, you know, Universal or, or whomever is doling out to make this film. But there's no passion in it. There's no creativity in it. Like, I would rather watch Berlin Syndrome again because that at least feels like a movie where there is some contemplation of what the movie means and what the characters mean and what their interaction with each other is. Whereas this just felt like a bunch of shit that happens on screen punctuated by loud music and somebody popping out or whatever. Like, I don't think the movie is totally jump scares, but let's be honest. It's like 60% jump scares. And it's just all a bunch of nonsense, you know, from the fancy key, like where, how did they lock the darkness up in the room with the fancy key? Why is there a fancy key? Who made it? Was that something? Don't matter. You know, like it just, yeah. it, it it's just nothing. It is, you know, it's not even a cotton candy movie because there are those movies like House on Haunted Hill is a good example of a movie that is kind of breezy and, you know, it's got some creep to it and it's got, you know, it's got its problems for sure. But at the end of the day, it goes down easy and it's kind of fun. Whereas this movie just feels like a bunch of stuff that happens and doesn't ever bother to explain itself. And when it does, it just doesn't make any sense because it contradicts itself along the way. So it's just a big mess. And, you know, I like I don't care for the Conjuring movies that much. I, like I said, I think the, the original Conjuring is two-thirds of a good movie. And I think Conjuring 2 is real bad. But I think The Nun is kind of the worst of them because at least with The Conjuring, I felt like there was a story and some... Like, I don't like James Wan's direction, but it, it at least comes from a place of a competent filmmaker, like, using a set of gags to achieve scares. Whereas this didn't even feel like the gags were all that well set up, and it didn't make any fucking sense. Like, the kid that is, like, is it Valak that's bringing back the kid that the priest had the, you know, the, the little boy that the priest let die or saw die or is that the the demon that inhabited the kid 
And why why is it his fault anyway? Like he tried to save the kid and the kid died. Like that's a thing that happens when you're exercising people, I would think. And if he's the expert on all this, like, you know, Vatican ghost shit, like he's the expert that's called in. Why does he seem so fucking surprised by everything in this movie? Like, isn't that his job to be like, well, this is clearly a demon. We need to get on this shit. And he just doesn't seem to have any competency at any point. Like, it just made me so goddamn mad. Sorry. Well, I would be inclined <laughs> I would be inclined to agree with you. Except I don't. Um I about the screenplay I do. I, I don't think you're wrong at all. The the thing is, I don't care because I get so I get my stimulation from this film from it from other places. And as far as no one giving a damn, I don't I don't agree with that with Corin Hardy. I think that what this film shows is that if there's anything good about this film, I think it is the direction. And I think he poured a lot into this, into the aesthetics of this film. He probably realized this script is crap, but <laughs> but at least I can make it look good. And I think he accomplished that. I also really like the casting of Thaisa Farmiga, considering Vera has been, yes. you know, a part of the Wanniverse. I appreciate the fact that they brought in Thaisa here. I think that was cool. You know, I just, I, but like I said, I don't think you're wrong about the script. I really don't. I, I absolutely agree with you. And there's some pretty, terrible dialogue that just doesn't there are a lot of things that don't really go anywhere there are things that don't seem to matter just everything you said yes yes but then at the same time i'm like but look at it though man i just i was so in it for i just was was so into the look and the sound of this film i really did enjoy the score i really did enjoy the aesthetic of it i was just i was sucked in and to me, I don't think that that's always enough to carry a film. I don't want, like, say, for instance, with something like Avatar, I didn't give a fuck. Like, I, d I don't care how good that movie looks. I don't want it. And when I actually was forced to watch it, I did not enjoy it. And part of that is I don't like Cameron. <laughs> part of that is I think that that was all visual, all spectacle. I didn't really feel like anything else pulled me in. Like there was no atmosphere for me. I understand. I know when you saw it, Bo, you were like, I want to live there. And I was yeah, I was, like, I, I want to go to there. <laughs> I was yeah. just like, it does not, it did not hit me on that level, but uh, with, so it doesn't always work, but with things like this and another film that I have the same reaction to is Lords of Salem. Like, to me, there is nothing to that script. Like, it's just the story is practically non-existent. Like, there's just, it's, it's so incredibly simple. But what pulls me in with that film, again, are the visuals and the audio. And I get, uh, like, a whole experience from that alone, from that film. So it doesn't work all the time to do that for me. But there are occasions when... It hits me in just the right spot where that's all I need with from that particular film. That's all I need. And it that was the way it was here. It was just and it's just that I'm so drawn to I'm so drawn 
to the gothic feel to these old horror films and and just the 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 way they look and i like i was just my mouth was probably hanging agape every time we went into the woods and you can see the light shining through the trees in the woods i was just wow you know i I just loved it. I couldn't get I couldn't get over how much I loved it. I was so excited. I I was actually giddy. I remember sitting in the theater actually being giddy at some of these scenes because it just was so on the nose. It was so perfect for me. So I and and I'm not like trying to make excuses for it because it's it's the story's not good. It's not. And I was really hoping for something better. I don't think the script is good. Really don't like I'm not crazy about the whole in the water battle at the end. Um, and like you said, with the like with the Jesus thing and the they seemed really kind of loosey goosey with their rules toward the end. I then wasn't nuts about that. But then I'm like, yeah, but I sure did like it. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I guess I'm just a simple creature. <laughs> Let's rate this one up. Vanessa, uh, how many stars would you give The Nun? I'd give it three. It's what kept me pulled in, you know, my attention there was the atmosphere and the, the, the aesthetics. And I, I really enjoyed that. But yeah, just nothing else. And even the visuals still wasn't, as good as I think it could have been, <laughs> but still, yeah, I enjoyed that. But it was still, eh. Sure. <laughs> uh, Jamie. Well, I don't think it's no. I don't think it's going to be any surprise to anyone that. I mean, they probably predicted it coming in that I will have the highest score. I, this is a four for me, and I don't think it's good. <laughs> I really don't like I'm not mad at anyone who says that it's not good as far as like from a story point of view because it's not like it's I don't think it's good but sure do like it all right all right um uh you know fuck I really don't like this movie um that is a-okay yeah I know I just I feel bad because I I feel like I'm just piling on with with all the the Wannaverse films, it's just I don't like them. I you know I like the first one of and all that's the series. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, I like I like some of them, not all of them. I in both cases of like uh, Insidious and The Conjuring, I like two thirds of the first movie and then nothing else uh, in those series. And yeah, so I, I think this is a star and a half for me. I just think like, and that's for the atmosphere portion of it. Uh, the rest of it, I just think is stupid. You know, what's interesting. I think I was actually kind of wondering what would I, what would this have been like if James Wan had directed this film and like, would it have the same feel to it? Would it look the same? And I think, and then I thought, well, you know, when he made Dead Silence, to me, that is the most gothic film he's ever made. Like, it just, it, I think it's dripping with atmosphere. Um, it, I, I kind of picture that and I think, yeah, it might have. Like, it, but even then, I don't know if he could have gotten as gothic as Corin Hardy did with this. I, I just don't know. Like, I, I that's, that means nothing. It's just, just something I thought about. Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, all immersed in the verse. But yeah, but I think it's it, it has the same problem though, which is it's got a terrible script. And even if James Wan directed it, and I think James Wan's a, a utility director. I, I don't, I don't think he's an exceptional director, but I, I think he can direct a film and tell a story. And I don't know, man. I mean, I know he he was he was behind the camera for some of the reshoots on this movie. Uh, I, I think for the exterior shots that they were when they were doing reshoots, uh, Corn Hardy did the interior reshoots and he did, did the exteriors and. You know, I mean, I don't think that the movie would have been substantially different if if James Wan himself were the credited director on the film. Um, you know what? I did not know that about the reshoots, but that really makes a lot of sense to me now. That makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. too. Makes and maybe that's why it looks sense. as good as it does. Maybe yeah. so. Maybe so. Yeah. yeah. Because I'll... I'll tell you part of why I like the conjuring as much as I do is, and you can, it's, you can tell how much he was influenced by the Robert Wise version of the haunting. Yes. He, the way he has some of his camera angles and, and just the way he adds that atmosphere. I can see it. All right. Well, that is the nun. Uh, the, the last film we were talking about on our, we will be talking about that. We did talk about, that has been talked we'll have about. None more of that. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, so, uh, folks, it's time for us to take our vows of silence. It is. Uh, <laughs> th- Thank you so much uh, for joining us here on this episode of Devour the Podcast. Uh, the special Halloween episode. I think I can speak. Spooky Halloween. Uh, boy, all I have to do is say the word Halloween, and that happens. Ooh. Oh, that was supposed to be horses, but it was not. <laughs> it was more like the Jetsons took off. <laughs> hey, I think I can speak for uh these fine ladies when I say we we thank you for joining us and and we want you to have a wonderful Halloween. Have the uh, nothing that time? All right, fair enough. Um I got thrown off because I expected to be interrupted, and then I wasn't. I interrupted myself. Well, well played, Jamie. I, sorry, I was getting ready to clear my throat. <laughs> Kick it over here, baby pop. Um, <laughs> it's a Beastie Boys reference, you know, like Halloween. So no, I was. <laughs> I know I got the Beastie Boys reference, but I was like, let me clear my throat. It's a different. Yeah, old school hip hop. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, let me clear my throat. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm slap happy. <laughs> yeah, this is clearly devolved into madness. Uh, hey, check us out on the Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash devour the podcast. Uh, and you can also uh, find more out of me over on uh, Twitter at Legion Podcasts. Uh, Jamie, where can folks find you and, uh, where will you be soon? I am about to drop the Attack of the Colossal Collection episode, Get Hitched, which is where we talk about 15, count them, Alfred Hitchcock films. That's a, that's a fun one because we went through our Alfred Hitchcock collection and it's super fun. Uh, other than that, we had the S episode of 
um, ABCs of Hidden Horror come out. T will be coming out shortly. Uh, S was fun. Jerry Herring joined us for that recording. So I recommend that. Uh, you can always find me on Wednesdays at the Married with Children podcast. At, where, you know, we talk about Married with Children. Uh, and sadly, Evil Episodes is no more. So you can stop looking for that one if you already did. Oh, Yeah. That's okay. Do you know it's the way people the way people watch television now and ourselves included it just doesn't really it doesn't really work. <laughs> when we first started that show, the format worked really well because it was, you know, you know, you would watch episode by episode on a weekly basis of TV shows and now you, that's just not the way it's done for the most part anymore. And so it doesn't it doesn't hold up, you know. People consume at such a different. At that point, people were consuming at the same rate, right? Because they had to watch the show when it aired. And now, so many years later, people are consuming at at different rates and all over the place. And you know, it just it doesn't make sense. Like some people will have seen a show, and other people won't watch that show for till six months down the road. And then you know, so it's it's hard to do. It's really hard. So we finally decided to just pull the plug on it. Yeah, yeah it, But you're right. Uh, it's a shame. But yes, that is totally understandable because of the way that ben, people binge watch this stuff. It's there. There isn't that weekly kind of thing other than a few network shows like uh, American Horror Story, that kind of thing. But, you know, Jamie, uh, not Jamie, shit, Vanessa. <laughs> Where where can people find you and uh, what you got coming up? I am usually over at the VD Clinic podcast, not the actual clinic, but <laughs> um, I always clarify that I am. I have a guest appearance that the episode is going to be released on October fourteenth on uh, for Scream Queens. I'm covering the witch, and it's part of. The, uh, it's part of a fundraiser for New Alternatives, which is an LGBTQ um, homeless youth center here in New York City. Really enjoyed doing that with uh, Patrick. And let's see. So that and then the VD Clinic episode on Handmaid's Tale will be released before this episode comes out. And But at the end of October, we will <laughs> we will have... Our haunting and haunting of Hill House episode with Andrew and Maddie from Friday the Thirteenth. Awesome, uh, yeah, and that'll do it uh, for for me as well. You can uh, check out all my stuff over on LegionPodcasts.com. Uh, as well as right here on uh, Devour the Podcast. Um, so more uh, Hero Hero Go Show coming sooner rather than later. Next month, uh, I know we teased it, um, you know, the last episode. We've got kind of a special episode coming next month uh, that got booted from October to November, but we're still going to do that. And uh, yeah, I think that will do it uh, for this October episode of Devour, Devour the Podcast. Thank you again for listening. You know, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Uh, you know what to do. If uh, someone you know is looking for a horror podcast and they're not turned on to us, how about you uh, give us a recommendation? That is always 
the best way you can thank us for doing a show. Or, or folks, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash legion podcast and uh, check out the commentaries over there at the low, low price of two bucks a month to help uh, with uh, Legion podcast server costs and hardware and all that fun stuff. So um, we appreciate those of you who do. Uh, and if you don't and you got a couple extra bucks uh, and you're enjoying the shows on the network, we appreciate it. So that being said, have a very happy Halloween, everyone. Say good night, everybody. Have a spooky night, everybody. Happy <laughs> Halloween. Spooky night. Sometimes, 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 sometimes. Devour.